0: The ability to protect yourself and your loved one is arguably the single greatest skill you could possess. This guest today is Tony Blauer. Tony's been in the world of martial arts and self-defense for over 40 years. He's literally been teaching self-defense since 1979. If you've been around the martial arts world, it's likely that you've heard of him. There's all kinds of things associated with Tony, like his signature spear system, the high gear suits, and his no fear seminars. That's K-N-O-W fear. One of the things that I find intriguing about Tony is how organic his journey has been. We talk about that journey today, and he's going to hit you with some stuff that you may or may not have heard before, specifically around the physiology and the psychology of fear. Tony's basic message is, if you can change your relationship with fear, you can change your life. I want to tell you about Bioprotein Plus. It doesn't matter who you are, guys. It doesn't matter how you train, how good you eat. It's happening to all of us our HGH human growth hormone, the master hormone responsible for our workout recovery, our performance, our metabolism, and even our libido, it starts to go down. So that's where Bioprotein Plus comes in. It's the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH hormone treatments. So how does that work? Well, you can get all the benefits of HGH without any of the needles, side effects, or irritating or annoying doctor visits. Best part is, Biopro Plus, well... It works super fast, it's easy to use, and it's 100% safe. So, when I connected with the BioPro Plus guys, I asked them to send me what they wanted me to say. And that's what they wanted me to say. So, here's what else you should know. If you listen to the show, then you know I'm pretty particular about what I put into my body. I understand the science behind the stuff. And having had my own experiences over the years, I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. So, the BioPro Plus team sent me a 30 day supply. It's super easy to do. It's liquid formula for the night and the morning. I hold the stuff under my tongue for about 90 seconds, and then I go ahead and swallow it. That's it. Here's what happened right away. Quality of my sleep, better. My libido, through the roof. Recovery from my workouts was dramatically cut down, and my overall sense of well-being was markedly different. And we're talking this happened within days, not weeks. The bottom line, this is the only change I made in my diet. I didn't change my workouts, and my lifestyle during this little personal experiment is exactly the same as it was, and I feel fucking amazing. All this with no needles, no prescriptions, and no weird shit to worry about like when using exogenous hormones or anabolics. And if you know, you know. Remember, this stuff is completely legal and totally safe. So if you want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel, go to www.bioproteintech.com or you can follow them at bioproteintech. When you get there, make sure to use code IRONSIGHTS for $30 off your order. Welcome to IRONSIGHTS After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond... Taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together.
1: This is this my good side, Roland?
0: I don't. Know, you tell me. They guys, all look good, man. Look at those sides, guys. I'm just gonna work out a little bit so that I get a little bit of a pump. Yeah, the pre we... the the pre pod pump, you know? right? Yeah. I mean, I I feel, <laughs> I feel like I should be doing that too. This should be part of my regular routine too. Um, That said, like what a great setting that we're in today. I'm, I'm sitting here with Tony Blower in his home gym. And uh, this is a little bit surreal for me, man. It was really great to meet you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for different. allowing us to come into your house and do this today. No,
1: I. You know what? It, it's it's funny because we do so many interviews on Zoom mm-hmm. that the opportunity to do it live is uh, it's different. It's different. The energy's different. The chemistry is different. So no, of
0: course. It's it's um it's become it's become almost a must for me now uh, because you lose. I, I just, I've done enough of them now where right, where you lose touch. There's a, there's just a, there's a vibe. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is a completely different one, which is amazing. But I, I, I like to, to meet, to work with people. I've been a hands-on guy my whole life. Right. And I uh, just think, yeah, I, I, if I'm listening to it and I feel like there's something missing, um, then I don't want to put it out. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, if, if, and whenever we can do this and. You know, uh, you've made this available to us, and I was like, "We're doing this." So no, it's cool. Are. And this and this gym has actually
1: become uh, somewhat of a—I uh, don't want to say iconic, but for people who follow what we do, <laughs> yeah, it is. you know, it's—it's it's, uh, uh, it's, there's a whole story, and I don't know if we'll get to it in this talk or offline, but of what I do in this exact room saved my company at the beginning of the whole craziness that the world experienced a few years ago so
0: yeah i the there's i've been to places in my in my time right you know i went to the original gold's gym you know the original venice beach and my mm-hmm. in my fitness journey you know you go see uh you know hall of fames and things like that where or where people got their start and there's always there's always a little nostalgia and here's the thing that is interesting about you for me in that You've been a coach for a long time. I mean, we're talking four decades. So Mm -hmm. without putting like an exact, you know, number on it, the, the bottom line there is, is the amount of years that you've spent hands on with people and doing things, the reps that you've had, the people that you've worked with, um, you've had an amazing journey. Um, and Along those journeys come these times where we hit these, we hit these bumps in the road. You know, you're out there traveling or whatever you're doing. You, you, you're ruling the world, you know, with regard to the, the training you're doing with people. We hit these, these bumps where something that we could not have prepared for, mm-hmm. that we couldn't have expected, that you couldn't have planned for, literally comes along and hits you in the side of the head. So in the fight game, um, you know what that is. But sure. in the business game and in the, in the game of life, that whole time was really wild, man. And uh, it's amazing how we re- we go back to basics and how we find how little we need in order to be successful. Mm-hmm.
1: It uh, it I always make the joke, you know. I wish I'd prepared for the pandemic before the pandemic. Me too. And and you've got to pivot. As I mean, that was the word. That was the word that everyone used, yeah. right? Pivot, pivot. Um, but our stuff, it was crazy. All of my business, as, as you know, is mostly military, law enforcement, public safety. Uh, those people stopped training. They were shut out, it down, right? Yeah. And, it, and that was before it was defund the police. But it was like, oh, there's this worldwide crisis. Everyone was deployed. Everyone was on the streets. And uh, so when it was two weeks to flatten the curve became three weeks, became three months, I literally, in the first three months, canceled about 35 c- courses um, I didn't cancel them. I had to be canceled. And that represented, I'm a boutique business. I'm not like, you know, some giant, you know, model and all yeah. yeah. And, uh, that represented close to half a million dollars in, in revenue. And when you're a boutique company, that's like a serious, a serious hit. That's a serious hit period. But yes, I get it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And it, was, and it was literally, I remember like doing the math and my wife, who we met earlier, just goes, honey, dinner. And I'm like like I want to projectile vomit. and so, it just occurred to me that I'm, you know, 60 years old and I'm going to lose everything mm-hmm. from, you know, not my purpose and passion, right? But like everything else, like your security. And that, that fucks with your head, man. You're, I won't be able to provide for my family. I won't be able to feed my family. I knew I would figure out shit, but the initial moment of that, That psychological yeah, Mm -hmm. ambush, it was like somebody stuck a Hoover vacuum up my ass and started to suck up my insides. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I I literally sat there, like I doubled over my chair and I was like, oh my God. And then Jesse goes, dinner. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not eating. I'm not hungry. And I I went into the kitchen, you know, going, do I look white as a ghost? Smack my face because I'm like freaking out, right? I'm doing the math. And I'm also, you know, I've been working uh, at the time I've been, it was, I was 60 years old and I'm working my ass off really hard mm-hmm. and I like nice things. And I, I had my family in a nice house and we had our nice things and all it's the craziness, the shit that goes through your head from won't be able to feed you, I won't be able to take you here, I won't be able to do this, we have to get rid of the car, we're going to have to sell the house. That's real. And yeah. it's like, uh, and she goes, Hey, uh, she goes, you know, you're not touching your food. I go. I had a shake like an hour ago. I'm an idiot. I thought like I made up some sort of bullshit story just so she wouldn't like go, is everything okay? And I gave myself 24 hours to just download everything and not even download, just be a wuss. Just, just, Hmm. you know, go like, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I do this? And then I like, just feel sorry for myself, bemoan underneath that. It's no one's coming to save you. And, uh, Literally 24 hours later, I called and I gave myself a timeline. This is how long you can be. I don't mean to, you know, you can bleep this if you want. Just, okay, Tony, you can be a pussy for this long, right? And um, and then at that time, the next day, I called up my team, my Mm -hmm. mobile training team, and uh, had a Zoom call. And I said to them, you can't solve the problem if you are the problem. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm the problem. I'm in the fear loop. I don't know what to do. I've got some ideas. What can we do really fast? Within 3 months we had multiple online courses. We had two new websites. I mean it was insane how fast yeah. everyone got together. And then you know as you know we'll, and hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get into you know the the weeds and and the rabbit holes. Our system has so much neuroscience behind it and so much uh, kinesiology, neurobiology, uh, psychology that I was able to call people all over the world and sell them Zoom instruction, mm-hmm. and and I was doing things like literally where I'd I'd set an alarm and then get up and I'd be doing something for teams in Australia because of the time zone, but they 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 had already trained with us multiple times, so they knew it wasn't like me you know, calling up somebody
0: who, and trying to explain. You're not having to try and sell it. Exactly. They're, they're ready for it. You just got to be able to put it in a, in a position to deliver it. Right. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, the, the, the biggest thing we do, and I deliberately put the shirt on, uh, in the eighties, when I started doing our, I call the eighties, my incubator period, because it was like, uh, stuff was happening. And then I would say, we need to do experiments on this. This like this isn't what I thought was going to happen. And it was in the 80s where we developed our high gear, mm-hmm. our scenario equipment, the spear system. It didn't have an acronym, but this whole idea of weaponizing the startle flinch. And then I would do these these seminars. And this was like, I make the joke, it was like Fight Club before Fight Club was a movie. Mm-hmm. And we'd get together like, you know, sometimes once a month and it would be People who heard about us, they'd come in, they'd sign a waiver. We we would talk, and I had this intuitive interview process where uh, I'd say, "Hey, uh, Scott, what's your uh, what's your biggest fear in a confrontation?" Mm-hmm. And you'd go, "I don't know, like maybe three guys with a knife and uh, you know a, a unicorn or a mermaid <laughs> or whatever." People would say whatever they concocted, yeah. and they would they would say stuff. It would, and, but it was like really casual. It wasn't like an obvious fill out this form. It was like, oh, what brought you in here. It was like, well, so what's your biggest fear? Got it. And then they would go to, you know, into the class and I would write that down. And then I would build that into their scenario. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you said to me, you know, my biggest fear is is uh, being attacked by two midgets, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd say, hey, guess what? <laughs> you're 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 just left a bar drunk and you're outside and you're stumbling around trying to figure out where your bus stop is. You know, you're not going to drive and two midgets come up to you. And I'd see people's eyes go like, I don't even know if you can see midgets. Are they going to get canceled? Right? I, I look at. I'm not worried. Nobody's going to cancel me. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, uh, but it, but you could see that moment when they go, "Oh, that fucker." Yeah.
0: Like, like yeah yeah yeah. And, yeah But what
1: I was trying to do was create some psychological distress so that they didn't go into a scenario sparring. Like I I we had one guy for example walk up to one guy and guy says, "Hey man, you got the time?" And the guy goes, Whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, Man, I just want the time. And then the role like the, the defender, and we're wearing gear, just fucking punches the guy in the face. And I go, Time. Do you punch people in the face when they ask you for the time? <laughs> but <laughs> they're already switched on and ready they, for it. Because and this is the whole thing of of our training that I recognize this, I call this the three eyes, instincts, intuition, intelligence is my instincts and intuition said the conventional way to prepare for violence. W- was was jumping to like chapter three mm-hmm. instead of starting at chapter, chapter two one. Uh, yeah. sorry chapter one yeah. so we call it the three d's detect diffuse, defense so there needed to be a d1 detect and avoid a situational okay. awareness component the d2 in my only trouble a diffuse and de-escalate and a push came to shove a d3 most everybody only ever practices d3 so let me show the you the worst what you case scenario well they'll say here's a gun disarm here's you get of a headlock Here's what you do if the guy does this. Here's if I counter a punch. You're already in D3 so you start switched on and that totally changes the, the the most dangerous part of the confrontation is pre-fight, not in-fight. Pre-fight is where you lose your shit. Right? You're the emotional, psychological. Starting duress. to,
0: over, starting to over, override the system. Yeah. Or, or
1: the fear loop. or the it's So fear will trigger a psychological distraction. Oh, fuck. This guy's really big. Shit, where's my backup? Did I, I should have warmed up. I, whatever. But fear also triggers a physiological response. Yep. And that's the start of flinch. Executive function gets hijacked. Your cognitive brain gets bypassed. Your reactive brain, your survival system goes, you didn't pick up on that. It's okay. We're going to do this. And so I, I
0: started to figure out the languaging for that in the eighties, my incubator period. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So going back, like just circling back to the whole, um, pandemic thing and being shut down, you went straight to the worst case scenario. I'm going to have to sell everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I'm not gonna be able to feed my family, you know, total like, fear loop and dinner couldn't even kick you out of that, you know? Like, yeah. but the, the point of that is, is like, you're already going to worst case scenario. Here's all the things versus taking a deep breath backing up you said you did take a deep breath but at the same time maybe couldn't catch it after that and then you start to figure it out uh but you've you've done all this groundwork uh, is what i'm getting to be able to it's almost like i I hesitate to say this because i i i could have i feel like i could have learned these lessons differently but i learned a ton of lessons during the pandemic Mm -hmm. as a gym owner and it's almost a gift in a way, because going back to having the Zoom calls and, and all the, the this new delivery system, it forces you to examine how you're delivering things, and it forces you to maybe pick, pick and choose where what was automatic before seemed like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You may be trimming a little fat, but then also going, I'm realizing because i can 't show this in the same way I was showing it before, deliver it the same way, I have to do a better job of verbalizing it, mm-hmm. or I have to do a better job of asking questions or I like to call it questioning skillfully uh, and listening carefully back to understand is the person that i 'm talking to or training or teaching really getting this so in a sense it it can be th- these situations can be a gift, and so when you're looking at like no fear and not like the gift of fear as mm-hmm. uh, Gavin de Becker would 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 say um, that there are, there are opportunities within that. Sure. And, uh, I, I, I have to, I have to say, I mean, I don't know this, I guess this is the question is like, do you feel like where your business is now versus where it was before better, same worse. We're still working on it. What how would you define it? hundred percent agree with you. I, I always like the expression. I think the first time I heard it was Ed
1: Milet said it, this didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it, it's a hard one. Like when you stub your toe, and you want the lesson to be about, uh, you know, situational awareness or don't step on jumping jacks or, uh, uh, Lego blocks or whatever, uh, while you're going, ah, my foot, <laughs> like, you know, the voice of this happened for you. Like, like, you know, Stop, like if someone came up there, it's like, Whack, you know, you're going to punch them in the throat. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear um, this right now. So my face hurts. So there is a, uh, a period, an undetermined or unknown period of time. Like it took me 24 hours to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. If somebody had come into the office when I had just, in my brain, would a spreadsheet of my brain get, okay, half a million here, this here. No money's coming in. Defund the police is starting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to lose everything. If you had come in and said, this is good, you're going to reinvent yourself. I'd have, I'd have been like shut the fuck up, man! Yeah, like get like, out of here! Like right, then. you're gonna get punched in the throat if you don't get exactly. out of exactly. Yeah. So it's but what's interesting about the whole thing is th- the pivot and the other stuff came together so quickly, and it was it was it was funny. Just this morning, I was I was doing a class on. Start a flinch conversion and had to rip a fucking wild elbow on somebody who's made you flinch and cover up because when you start a flinch, it locks and loads specific weapons. I whip something at you and you go, shit, it's locked and load a rake, a palm strike, a forearm, and an elbow. But because your stance is somewhere else, when you flinch, you immediately back up and try to create space and then settle into. The, the neural pattern that is the stance you like, whatever it That's is. Whatever you've trained in your, in right. your system. Right. So there's no such thing as muscle memory in the way that people use the term. There's neural patterns, right? So, you know, if you were a Thai boxer and mm-hmm. I and I shove you, you're gonna your hands, when they okay. rest, will be up here. If mm-hmm. you were an old school boxer and I shove you, you know, you might have your hand down there looking like Sugar Ray Robinson. Mm-hmm. If you're an amateur boxer, your hands will be here. If you're wrestling, we right. hit these positions. We don't see them. Because they're neural patterns, their their brain, nav- the mind navigates the body. The brain, it's a it's a spinal level decision. It, just, it, it happens automatic. Right. Yeah. Um, only automatic if you've myelinated the neuron. Yep. Big fancy word for I've trained mm-hmm. this pattern, this neural pattern. So um, I forget where I was going with this. Uh, what the
0: hell were we talking? Yeah, well, about? we were talking about how fast it happens. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the there's a guy I trained years ago who got in a gunfight. He's a federal agent. And as they, as they exit the vehicle, it was an ambush, guy started shooting from the house of the car. Okay. And, uh, he jumps out of the car I mean, he's in the driver's side, rounds are hitting the car. He drops down behind the engine block behind, you know, behind the wheel. He's on the other side, pulls out his gun, rounds are coming in and all he does like a periscope, he doesn't stick his head up. He sticks his gun up and fires over the hood of the car, shoots the guy in the face and kills him. Wow. Okay. How's that And he's he's like, he's like 30 yards away, right? It's the porch down across the lawn, you know? So I said to the group, I said, like, I said to the group this morning, was that good shooting? If you jump at me, like you're a creature from the walking dead and you go, "Ah," and you jump at me and I go, ah, and I flinch. And as I flinch, my elbow. (laughs) elbow smashes you in the face and knocks you out can I go? You see that? Yeah. Don't fuck around with <laughs> right, me. Right. When it was the startle flinch, my my biological airbag deploying to protect me from impact. Yeah. So I tell people, what I told the guys this morning, I said, you know, you know, the expression, you know, the harder I train, the luckier I get. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't Being like prepared for luck. Yeah. And I don't ever rely on luck. And I get into semantical arguments with people about luck. It should just, you know, be, People say to me very often, oh, you're so lucky because, you know, you got to train these guys and you got to go here and you got to do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. They called me out of the blue. Right. I had absolutely zero reputation yeah, or skill. It just happened. Right. Yeah. And I've got friends that go, man, I'm so lucky. I got a buddy of mine um, who's a, a top, top coach. And uh, he did some stuff. He got he got invited to do some uh, uh, strength conditioning stuff for an Olympic team. And he calls me up, he goes, Dude, I'm so lucky. They go, I go, dude, you're not lucky. You fucking work your ass off. You have a worldwide reputation. You're like, what was lucky is you weren't booked somewhere else that you couldn't cancel. Uh, That's a really good way of looking at it. Right. It's like you earned, there's a, there's an old expression that, um, I share with as many people as I can. I'll share with you and your audience and it's from, I can't pronounce the guy's last name. He's some weird independent filmmaker from decades ago, a European, I can't, it's like, you know, some weird name. (laughs) But he said, if you take your space, the world must make place for you. Mm. And just this idea, like, how do I own who I am and what I do? And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. The, um, the, the idea, and I'm, I'm trying to resolve this this other thought with the pivot and everything. What I'm saying is that everything came together because mm-hmm. it was like Lego blocks that I had already built. Mm-hmm. That I just said, well, if we move this one over sort here, find a and new, put pattern. This here. new pattern. New yeah. pattern, right? Yeah,
0: new pattern. I, it's so interesting, and people are listening to this going. I, and I know that's you know we were talking a little bit off air before we started about like who's the audience and who's listening, and you know, and, and in my head, I'm going. You know, I'm telling you who who our audience is, or at least explaining who I think they are. Uh, it's an ever growing thing that we're we're trying to get our arms around all the time, and I feel fortunate uh, to be asking myself those questions. But the I guess the point of it is is there's this there's this who is this guy kind of thing, and I, you know, like because we have a lot of people on the show, and I was just getting a compliment yesterday about you know you get people on the show that aren't like necessarily you know. They're not the, the people out there that we see, you know, all over Instagram that are doing these things. Now, you have a huge Instagram following, and it has nothing to do with Instagram. The point of this is I wanted to kind of maybe circle back to, to give people an idea of who you are. So you've mentioned a lot of things already. So I just, I'm going to preface this mm-hmm. with you mentioned the spear system. If you've been in law enforcement for the last 30 years and you went through any kind of combatives training in the last 30 years, you've probably been influenced. It's, uh, the training that you got has probably been influenced by the spear system or, or by you and the principles of the spear system. If you've been in the military at the highest level, tip of the spear type shit, like you know, you're know, you working for in, in soft or on these specialized teams and you've done some type of combative training, chances are, and you've done this in the last 20, 30 years, you've been influenced at some level by by Tony the the other thing is is like i was I was thinking about this i'm like where was the first time i ever saw the high gear where saw where, where was the first time i saw the suit and i want to say because if people see the suit like they google it like mm. google food the thing look at high gear and like the suit you'd be like oh yeah i've seen that like mm-hmm. you see that in like self defense classes and i feel like it was like when I was like maybe a, a young dude, maybe 12, 13 mm. years old or whatever, it was probably on like some nightline type of show where some journalist what, who needed a story had gone down to some local, you know, uh, martial arts studio or self-defense studio and they were doing some demo. And that person was allowed, that journalist was allowed to, quote unquote, beat the shit out of somebody who was probably wearing that suit. Mm. So my, my, my point of this is, is like Lego blocks. You didn't just show up on the scene. Right? Yeah, it was an overnight sensation. Yeah, right? you didn't just show up on the scene. You've been around, and so most recently, you may, people may have heard about you through the No Fear Can O W Fear, which I really want to talk about, and some of the work that you're doing through, uh, or in, and I think putting out there to people with regard to the neuroscience. And so as it relates to this audience, and 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 how this relates to them, uh, in my perspective. People are always talking about you know self defense, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, firearms is a big part of the show, and they they put all their effort, all their training, all their finance, all you know, all they got, all the gear, whatever, and they're putting it into that so, to to hopefully not, but in some way in preparation for whatever that event might be where they might have to use that. And then on the side, they're going, okay, well, I also need to be fit too. And I recognize that being hands-on is something that could happen. So I'm going to go to the jujitsu uh, school and I'm going to learn jujitsu. And yes, I have to take care of my fitness. So I'm trying to juggle all this. Um, the, the difference of that is we're breaking it out into its constituent parts. And that's not what you've done ever. Mm-hmm. I think that's the interesting part about your journey. So I hope we can talk about that sure. a little bit, just about how you got here got into this where did the origin story Mm -hmm. without and i promised i promised you before i said tony i don't want to bore you and have to have you tell the story that you've told so many times but i think it's very relatable Mm -hmm. and it's not like again you weren't handed something this isn't something you just fell into this has literally been a lifelong you've been doing this the better part of your life sure in terms of studying and experimenting and Trial, trying, trying things, failing at things, succeeding at other things. You've gotten to work with, as you mentioned, some really cool people. But uh, the influence that you've had in general, I don't think people really understand that. Maybe is, and I don't. Maybe I don't either. So maybe we can we can cut that up a little bit and yeah. then get into the weeds with some of the stuff that I like to nerd out on. Yeah, no, wherever we're, and it, and it's funny. I don't. I mean, I have no
1: idea how many podcasts I've done. Hundreds uh, plus our own. And then, you know, I'm the number one salesman for Blower Tactical. <laughs> right. Imagine that. Like the company's got the same. You're the face. It's, it's got the same name as my last name. How yeah. weird is that? Yeah, you're the face, man. Um, the So I get asked the same stuff all, all the time. And I rarely ever tire explaining about it because it's literally, it's a discovery that I think will make people safer. And so it excites me all the time to go, holy shit, the human weapon system is insane what it can do. And if you think this way about fear, you can turn fear into fuel. You can make this work to you, you know for you. And oh my God, when somebody scares you and they make you flinch, did you realize they lock and load your most aggressive close quarter arsenal? Mm-hmm. Like if I said to you, hit me as hard as you can, and you were sitting there. You would have to stand up. You'd have to inhale, and then you'd go. Are you going to do anything? I go no. Just hit me. You'd go okay, and then you'd go, and you'd I'd lock and load it. and telegraph, and you'd do that. But if you if you jumped up right now and scared me, I would go oh shit, right? And I would inhale because of the startle flinch. That would create that that cobra lat spread. My traps would come up. My shoulders would engage. And I would have this kinetic energy ready to release. So when someone makes me flinch, the ability for me to gouge their eyes, grab their face, palm strike them, rip an elbow is amplified because of the attack. And if you can't see the serendipity in that, you're just not looking for it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's right like going, look at this fucking branch. It's got thorns all over it. And I'm going, look at the rose, look at the rose. Is
0: it fair to say that anything you do to try to change that is counterintuitive to the, to the body? And to the, to the, or to the neural system, like in terms of training, like a martial art or training something else from like, well, here's, here's the interesting <clears throat> thing. It's not
1: just counterintuitive. It, it, it can't be done. You can't wean the flinch out of you. Now I can stress inoculate it. So if, if, uh, if I pulled out a UTM paintball mm-hmm. sim gun right now and you didn't know, and I was just being a dick and I went and you thought it was a gun, you'd go fuck. Right? And then I'd fire you. And then, you know, we'd fight. You'd yell at me and go, dude, that's but, fucking crazy. I'd be pissed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I go, well, I just want to show you start a flinch. I'm an asshole. And you go, fuck, man. If I went like this again, you go, he's doing it. And you go, dude, don't shoot me with that because I don't fucking like that. Right. But then I go, hey, tomorrow we're going to do Paintball or Sims. You have two days to get your mind around it. So you show up and you're wearing extra shirts and putting mm-hmm. socks in your underwear. You're prepared. Yeah. We yeah. call this ACP awareness consent preparation. Okay, So the ACP factor is huge. If I have awareness, we're going to do this. And then I go, okay, I consent. Then I mentally prepare. Whether I've got the skills or not is another story. But in an ambush, there is no ACP. So we always tell people all fights are dangerous. Most dangerous fight is the ambush because the ambush will... bypasses bypasses all of the factors so the mind navigates the body if i say to you you know hey when i stand up and grab your shirt parry my arm and straight punch me straight blast me you go okay let's do that we do that over and over again and then one day you're in a bar and a guy goes fuck you and you go hey man and he grabs you and you're like dude what the fuck like your brain's still recalibrating is this real Mm -hmm. and and the, the myth of martial arts is that, well, if I do this 10,000 times or 30,000 reps, or if I do this for 10 years, I'm just going to do that. It's just not, there's no evidence to prove that. And this is what I asked people in, uh, I was interviewed for SWAT magazine in the nineties. I was doing a gig at the, the iconic Smith and Wesson Academy. right on. And so I'm teaching there and, uh, Geez, I almost remember the author's name, but it doesn't matter. Decades ago, right? He comes in, he's talking talking to me, and I said, he goes, what about, and he's got a martial art background. And this is what everyone does. And and I'm begging everyone listening to, you know, the old line from Roadhouse, I thought you'd be bigger, right? Yeah. <laughs> is all. Many of you have an opinion about me because you asked a martial art friend, what do you think? I love where this is going. And, and, the, and so what happens is that opinion from a trusted advisor has contaminated your ability, your survival IQ, your self-defense IQ is compromised by a, a, a myth or an idea. Everything works in a fucking demo. And you can get good enough to do any demo. And then it can be like, no, attack me like this, and it's like the In Living Color skit with Jim Carrey, right? You attack mm-hmm. me wrong, do it again. <laughs> you, you ever <laughs> yeah, see that one? Yeah, it's classic, it's right? The, right? the old you know? think, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and I've been, I, I've said this line. I used, to, I used to end all of my articles with this: uh, "Don't hate me, hate the bad guy." I exist because there's bad guys. If you said to me, "I'm going to wave a magic wand and all violence," starting tomorrow will cease to exist and you'll be out of a job i'd be go i would say okay i'm okay with that totally i abhor violence it's i've so i know people in in crazy elite places who've offered to show me shit that doesn't get on hey check this out do you want to see this video do you want to
0: oh right like stuff that that you can't broadcast And, and i'm like no and they go you mean uh, yeah? So just, I abhor violence. I yeah, You don't need to see that. Yeah. And I and
1: I I, I don't. And it's different. And I understand why some people need to. I I remember watching. Um, I was teaching at uh, uh, ITOA, Illinois Tactical Office Association, and it was the they had just first gotten. It was the first time they got their hands on Al-Qa- on Al Qaeda training tape. Okay. Nobody had seen it. There's like four or five hundred SWAT cops in the room uh, The uh, um, special guest speakers—they're going to launch this—and there was like, like you could feel the energy in the air because hundreds of people hadn't even seen it, and and so they're like, and then there's this videotape, and it looks like fucking Monty Python skit. Like they were really bad in terms of their movement, their shooting. The, the, you know, standing, I don't know, I'm looking for a prop here because I'm always teaching in here, <laughs> you know, standing at a door like Miami Vice, you know, with the hands up here. And it was, it was, no offense, I'm used to be a, a Canadian, I'm American citizen now, mm-hmm. but it'd be like someone going, hey, this is the Canadian Football League and these are their best players. And then you look at it and you're like the best NFL team and you go, I see what they're doing. But they're not going to be able to compete. We are not the same. Right. Yeah. And and it was like this. And that's probably not fair because, there, I mean, there were, there were so many biomechanic and tactical errors that they were doing. But what I said after, because I talked about it in the class, I, I talked about, look how emotionally off balance everyone was waiting. Uh, right? So it was like in the moment where you're like watching, waiting for the film and you're here like this. If they had jumped through the screen and attacked you at that moment, you're a little bit fucked because the emotional duress, the anticipation of the violence. Because all we knew about them were the, the, the evil towers, right? Right? right, the,
0: right. The, 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 yeah, that they perpetrated here, right?
1: Right. and and so I go. I so
0: was, it wasn't cal- it wasn't cal- calculating forms, what you're saying? Like they're looking at this as like you expect these guys to be some. Superhuman well, the evil. Yeah. There boogeyman. you go. That's a really good I, way to at I it. I call you
1: up. I go, dude, I'm going to fucking kill you tonight. I'm going to rip your heart out. You don't know who it is. So the first thing you visualize was like my first 24 hours in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Somebody called and said they're going to rip my heart out and eat it before I hit hit the ground and die. Wow. Yeah. You I mean, gotta you gotta visualize that. And then like, you gotta go, wait a minute, that's medically impossible. Why am I freaking myself out? Right. <laughs> right? I mean, you can't no one can rip my heart out and eat. I would probably die before I hit the ground, but what? No, three seconds. I remember the Miami shooting. The, but, <laughs> You're doing the math. But, which, <laughs> but, but this, this, is why, this is why this is so huge. When you understand how the psychology of fear interferes with movement, you suddenly get this like epiphany, big fancy word for this light bulb moment, right? How I think affects how I feel. How I feel affects how I think. Mm-hmm. Both influence when and how I'll move. When I say to you, what would you do if a guy had a knife? What would you do if a guy had a gun? What would you go if two guys here? You will always, and this goes for everybody, your answer when I ask you is always theoretical because it's not happening. Correct. If it was really happening and I said, hey, what are you doing now? Like you wouldn't even be able to talk. You go, I'm breaking his arm here. And now I'm stabbing him. Like you're in the fight. You're in that flow state. You're, you're trying to survive. So whenever we answer somebody of what we would do, it's always visualizing something in the future and it's a theoretical answer. It, it, it's literally a, an imagination. Right. Now, if you were... So I, I, uh, I've i had the opportunity to uh, collaborate on training with with Michael Chandler. Okay. Who's fighting Conor McGregor. And mm-hmm. I don't know when this is releasing, but Michael Chandler's like a very high level MMA guy. We were at dinner the other night and my wife says, so are you going to win? And, uh, and he's like, 97 percent and she was like and everyone at the table was like "Oh, tim kennedy's at the table and and okay. a bunch of other and it was like it was and chandler's a smart deep thinker and he said when i get into the octagon i will have done everything i can so that i have no fear about my preparation or my ability he said but anybody can get hit that's the game yep so this is that idea of like exploring what you can do before a fight the difference is here, it's ACP. He has awareness. He has consent. He has preparation. Not only that, he has videotape. It's a game, right? Yeah. It's At a violent end, game game and a dangerous one, but it's still, and I'm, I'm, um, I don't um, use the word game just out of respect for. I, I hear you. I, I go, it's, it's, it's a, it's a cooperative violent dance <laughs> where somebody could die. True. Somebody could get injured. True. There's true risk. and. In 1993, I was actually Cade side in Denver at the first UFC, ironically. And I was writing for three martial art magazines. I forget them all. Uh, uh, one American, one UK, and one Australian. And one of the paragraphs in there, I wrote, although the guys are really fighting, it's not the same as a real fight. Mm. The only people I know who really fight are cops, military, public safety professionals who walk up to somebody and go, Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? You know, can I, and then the guy in his brain is going, I'm going to kill this guy. And you don't know this is about to be a death match. Mm -hmm. Every other fight that's consensual, even like mutual road rage, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck. And we get out of the car. That's a douchebag fight. Yeah.
0: Even if somebody
1: dies, it's a douchebag yeah, fight. Yeah. There's,
0: there's levels to this, right? There's like the schoolyard fight, right? Everybody kind of knows how that's going to start and finish, right? And then there's the, the two, I've, you could describe it this way. The two frat boys at the bar that have had a couple too many drinks and they're test, they're, you know, it's a test of wills. They roll outside into the front and then there's some sort of an altercation that goes on out there. And then there's other things, you know, that, that, that can, that can step up. Um, and those other things are the ones that can result in murder, right? Yep. In those other two cases, certainly bad things can and, happen. And let me, let me inject something here
1: and manslaughter. Yeah. And, and so, and this is, this is a, a, a subtle distinction. My, my, my good friend, uh, Tim Larkin talks about this, okay. asocial, antisocial. Um, and there are predators out there that, you know, they'll, uh, there's a there's a, a presentation I do for martial arts schools where I cite four or five world-class martial artists that were murdered in street fights and or trying to be the courageous bystander, the Good Samaritan. And their world level, like I'm talking about like world champion Thai, world champion jiu-jitsu, world, their, all of their training didn't help them against a piece of shit with almost no training. mm mm-hmm. And that's all I've looked at for decades. I've just, I've said, look, I, and here's the thing. I've been a martial artist since, if if you count wrestling, I mean, back in the day until the UFC hit, we didn't count wrestling as a martial art, but it very much is, right? If you oh, look it's, at...
0: It's a huge. Some of
1: the right? best UFC fighters are right? but, great but even, grapplers. But even if you look back at the, you know, murals and caves, uh, you know, mm-hmm. back in the days, there were guys overhooking and underhooking while they're stabbing people and stuff, right? Yep. So... But I started wrestling when I was seven. I'm 63 right now. So how long have I been a martial artist? Uh, I, started, I started formal martial arts when I was 13. Okay. I competed for years as a wrestler before that. Fell in love with boxing. You know, my origin story, mm-hmm. which, which, which I, I didn't answer. But, but I've always been doing all of All of my success in this arena has to do with the fact that I discovered martial arts. There was an insight I always had. And I like I'd be in a confrontation where I was a fanatic. I would before I would go to the bathroom. Like thirteen years old, uh, I had one of those low modern beds, and I used to keep a uh, makiwara, which is a, a a fancy word for some Japanese knuckle oh, yeah, knuckle, yeah. knuckle toughening. Yes, you I know, remember that. Yeah. You know, beanbag like, mm-hmm. and I. So I grew up with so much performance anxiety. As a competitive skier, I was on skis when I was three years yeah. old. My family's in this ski patrol and i was I was skiing I was racing uh, I was gymnastics uh, the wrestling but I would always like if we were about to square off a wrestling match, I was always worrying about what you could do to me, mm-hmm. not what I could do to you interesting and that's one of that 's actually one of our most powerful lines in our no fear program. Now in all our self-defense programs, where I talk about the psychology of intimidation and I go, all of us are intimidated from time to time. And the powerful reframe is we intimidate ourselves. No one can intimidate us. You see something, it's a verbal threat, or it's some sort of imagery, some, Mm -hmm. some, some symbol. And we go, oh man, this is going to hurt. So I'm going to, I'm going to suck at this. We haven't even done it yet. We've decided what the outcome's going to be. And so I explain we intimidate ourselves, but it's very simple. It's when we're visualizing in, in terms of self-defense, we're visualizing what our opponent can do to us instead of what we must do to my opponent. And when you make that switch, something changes. And now what happens is the, the neural circuitry of fear starts to redirect, uh, you know where you're going to focus and how you're going to move. Customato Tyson's original boxing right. coach. He says, you know, fear is the the friend of exceptional people. That uh, fear is like fire, and if you control it, it warms your home, it cooks your food. Mm-hmm. And if you lose control it'll, of it, it'll, it'll burn, burn your house down. and it'll kill you. Yeah. And I like, you yeah. know, I got goosebumps now just like like thinking about uh, uh, about that. So. When I started doing martial arts, it was like, will this help me manage fear? Because I had, had, you know, I grew up in the 60s. Everything was about fear for me in in whatever sport I did. And I was always one of the best. I was always a good athlete. I was always one of the best on the team, but I never got on the podium. But it wasn't because people were necessarily better than me. It was because I didn't show up. You were holding yourself back. Yeah. And it was because, and I, I talk about this, have you ever been waiting for something That could be bad news. Obviously, everyone listening to this has waited, whether it's health, finances, relationship, uh, uh, getting into college, uh, whatever it is. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you go, hey, check the mail, check the email, check the time. You know, I can think, do you have kids? Mm -hmm. You know, how old are your kids? One that just turned 21 and one's 11. Okay, nice. So I've got 32, 25, um, uh, uh, 21. My son, my son, was living in Vegas when the Mandalay shooting uh-huh, happened uh-huh. and I couldn't reach him. That's, I I can't imagine couldn't reach him. I can't imagine. And so As I'm a parent, like, like man I'm... And so I'm like fuck 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 right okay finally he calls and I'm like you yeah, know like I like I jumped up dude are you okay where did you hear what happened where are you now right yeah. now um, you know you're waiting for a test from the doctor you're freaking out 3 days hey man everything's good you're good fuck what do we do when we get good news we stand up We, we, we levitate, not literally, but we stand up, we go, and we're we're doing this, right? Everyone does that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in, in our class, we ask people, how much does fear weigh? They're like, what? I go, when you get good news, I'm going to jump up. We go, yes, we, we always get lighter when we get good news. You're (laughs) right.
0: That's absolutely
1: right. Right. And so I go, so metaphorically, what does fear weigh? When you're when we're waiting to watch the Al Qaeda video, everyone's like this. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically biting their nails. And then it's like I can kick this guy's ass. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like go so ahead. this is like the slow build up, like reverse cycle. It's it's yeah, I think I can get in what you're talking about, but it's it's this idea that fear as an acronym is false expectations appearing real. The psychology of fear okay. I'm visualizing something in the future. It hasn't happened, but I'm visualizing myself losing or being destroyed or being compromised by it. And now that's making me smaller Maller. than I am. Okay. And so I'm like, you know, I go, hey, dude, this guy outside, he's he says he's gonna kick your ass. He's furious. And you're like, what? I don't even know who to and I I I'm actually this is something I used to do in the seminars. I got a whole team that teaches now, but is this you know, so I haven't told this story in a long time where I go, um, I go, guy's walking around a bar, you're sitting with some friends and he goes, where's Blower? And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's this huge guy and he's got <laughs> this is great. cauliflower ears and his nose has been busted and he's got, it's you, like guess, Shrek. you know, he's just, <laughs> he's going, Blower, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like hiding behind you and I'm going, dude, what the fuck? It, and then someone comes over and he goes, hey, should I bring him over This guy wants to fight you. I'm like, fuck, no. Because like, the first thing I see is a big guy with all the markings of a warrior. Mm-hmm. I'm intimidating myself. And I go, how many of you want to fight this guy? Now, if you had to fight the guy and it was a choiceless choice, you couldn't avoid D1, more. you couldn't avoid. D2, diffuse def, and de-escalate. You couldn't deescalate. You had to fight choiceless choice. Are you now bearing the weight of false expectations appearing real are you going i'm gonna fucking die i'm gonna lose holy shit or have you found a way to turn fear into fuel and everyone's like how many of you would fight this guy cauliflower ears you can see he's been in like maybe a hundred street fights i mean look at the scar tissue on him look Mm -hmm. at his nose Mm -hmm. and they're all like no i go how many of you are thinking to yourself This guy's got no defense because if he did, he wouldn't be so fucking ugly. He wouldn't look like that. Somebody hit this fucker.
0: Dozens of people
1: hit this guy. I'm going to fucking hit him too. The psychology of intimidation is when I'm visualizing what my opponent can do to me instead of what I must do to my opponent. Now, you may still lose the fight, but at least you're in the fight. But if you're there going, "Ah, look, you're, you know, everyone who charges the the gunman everybody who right everyone else is cowering Mm -hmm. and i and i'm not being cavalier about this shit it's all about managing fear and i always tell people this those people who manage the fear manage to fight doesn't guarantee victory but it guarantees they're in the fight if they survive the fight we know this from psychologists and studies people who fought back win or lose uh recover faster they're more more Mm -hmm. resilient Mm -hmm.
0: uh and so like, that's huge. And this is an area... Because they're not carrying the... They're not carrying the I didn't even try right? with them the rest of their life. Right.
1: And and a, a, and a lot of things is like in our research, we've broken this down into three things. Bad guys only want one of three things, property, body, or life. Mm-hmm. So if I fight back and you weren't even thinking about me bringing it, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, give me your wall and your strong arm and I, and I go, fuck off, why can I smash you in the face? There's a good chance because you, you weren't even... Anticipating resistance, that you're just going to run because your your
0: physiological system, like the same stuff that happens to us, happens to the other t- guy. Happens to the other guy. So we're 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 going kind of back and forth here between the psychology and the physiology. My middle name is tangent. <laughs> no, it's no, Tony tangent. That's no, great because as much as I've read about you and read on you and listened to you to you speak, you're you're hitting all the major points and again, you know, for people that may not know you they're going, dude, this guy's just like he's he he's going back and forth with this psychological component and this physiological component. And that's the big that's kind of that again, that's the spear system and you 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 you, you we talked about it at the beginning or the, the K-N-O-W fear piece of this is, this takes it to a different level. And I think this is what people probably very much underestimate and don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've sort of described what, what what's natural? And I think most people, like I said, can relate to this. This is how you, again, what I really dig about how you explain it. Like, yeah, yeah, I've been in that situation where the mm-hmm. big schoolyard bully called me out on a fight or was intimidating me, me somehow, and I just kind of let it happen. But I was thankful that I didn't get my ass kicked, right? Right? And you know, if I had I pushed back, I probably would have got my ass kicked. But you'll never know because you never. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And and let me let me hold your thought, pin your thought. There's
1: because there's something way bigger. Right? When's the last time you got in a gunfight? Never. Right? When's the last time you got in a violent physical fight? This is where I'm going with this. It's been a while. Right? Right. And so and your last fight might have been you were 21, and you were drunk, and it was was that and, really a fight? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, like we we I remember my son, I don't know why this just popped in my head. My son wakes me up on a trip. He's like eight or nine years old, and had a nightmare that there's, like, a monster under his bed, and we're in a hotel room on a road trip. Okay. And I'm like, dude, don't you think if there was a monster in the bed, he'd have already eaten us already? Like, there's no monster. Go back to bed. He's coming after me first. Right? Yeah. And, and he goes, Dad, Dad, there's something under the bed. I go, no. Nick, there's nothing under the bed. Go back. We'd hear it. He wouldn't even fit if he was a monster. Dad, and I realized, like, I'm being like an adult rational and he's eight years old and there's there's a fucking monster under the bed there's a monster there man right? whether you want to admit it and, or not and uh and they're going to tell you two true stories about this and this is about shining a light on fear so i had to get up turn on the light go under the bed go dude there's no monster do you want to? Say, no dad i'm not looking there's no monster here look and here I'm here and of course I probably did this too. Ah, ah, I didn't we're <laughs> get fucked fuck with out them. Of the bed. Right? With them. <laughs> um, after 9/11 we were on a flight. Um you know, maybe a year after we're flying somewhere and a a gentleman with a turban gets on and everyone's looking and glaring and you could tell he was nervous and sweating cuz everyone were profiling, right? And he sits down in front of us and my, my boy at at this point, he's probably 12 at the time. And, uh, he's like looking at the guy and I go, Hey, you're cool. Everything's cool. And, um, the guy gets up and goes to the bathroom and then he comes back and everyone's glaring at him where you know how things were, right? This is how humans are. Right. And everyone's glaring at him. So he's like, sweating and nervous because everyone's you know you, you're one of those guys right and um so my my boy looks at me goes what if he just planted a bomb i go nick he couldn't have gone on the airplane with with mm-hmm. the bomb and gone that i'm i'm so scared right now so i look at him and i go i remember the bad story from five years earlier i'm I'm going to go to the bathroom now and check it for you, okay, Dad? What are you going to do? I'm going to go make sure there's no bomb in the bathroom. And I'm thinking to myself, the fuck am I going to do? Right. Like I'm not an EOD tech, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I get there and I, I walk into the bathroom. I close the door, and of course, there's things with tape on it. I'm not going to open it. I go, okay, that tape's still there. That tape's still there. This is good. Okay, at least I can go back and I can look my son in the face and said, I, I checked, I checked the Thoroughly. bathroom. Yeah. I swept the bathroom, there's no bomb, you can relax, right? And I went back and had that conversation. And what I'm explaining here is what is the weight of fear? What would that next three hours or five hours been if he hadn't articulated that? Or if he had said, what if there's a bomb? And I went, what if there's a bomb? Because this is the shit that the cortisol, the imagination, the... And now when I give you good news, right? It's, uh, Mm -hmm. so... You know, you, you started. We started to go down some path on the on the, the 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 power of no fear, and I wanted to get something a little bit more metaphysical because you used a, the bully the bully fight. Yep. And where where is going on here? And it's a little bit maybe I hope it's not too spiritual for everybody. That fight that we're training for almost never happens, no. but fear will fuck with our enjoyment of life, relationships, training. Way more than you can imagine. Every day we have a confrontation in our mind and how we handle that confrontation, you know, affects the quality of our day. Figure the algorithm out from there. You know people that take traffic personally, who have you know, they're they're that fucker at work and this guy, look. I have. I've done that before, you know? Yeah. For Not sure. me. I've never <laughs> I've never <laughs> lost my temper. I'm sure. <laughs> See, my daughter just moved her bedroom down here. It's right beside my office. And um she goes, hey, am I going to hear you screaming at the computer down here? And I'm like, so hold on a second. Have some... Res- I'm not good with IT issues. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm not either. And I and I I looked at her and I said, could you hear me yelling when you're upstairs in your room?
0: She goes, yeah. I said, well, you'll probably hear me here. It, absolutely. I, I love that's where you're going with that because you, you're talking about the fight that you're always planning for, always worry about, never happens. Um, I wonder, like the... The flip side of this, and and how that destroys it can destroy the quality of your life, and you find it showing up in other things. Uh, again, the traffic, the guy cuts you off, and you lose your shit, right? Or you know the 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 video isn't uploading as fast as I think it should be uploading. You know, from the disk to the to the to the cloud, or whatever else, or I hit the wrong button, or something happens, and you lose lose your mind. That's that 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 anxiety or that uh, that energy is being directed that way. I wonder on the opposite side, how about that with all the people you've trained over the years that come in with maybe an overinflated sense of self-confidence about that fight they thought they were going to get in. And then you, you actually have, you, you actually are in a position to be able to present them with that fight. You, yeah. you, you started earlier with like, Hey, what is your biggest fear? What's the, what's the scenario? Like, bring me the scenario and I'll put you in it. I wonder when you ask that question of people, like, what would you do? And they f- they somehow think they can come up with the answer and they give it to you verbally and then you put them in that scenario. I wonder I wonder about those experiences and what you actually see and how people actually respond and how then they respond yeah. after that. It, it, it doesn't happen right away, but
1: typically there's the epiphany, the big fancy word for the light bulb. Oh, shit. And this was, I never finished the uh, in the interview with SWAT back at Smith & yeah. Wesson. The guy says to me, you know, are you saying like these other systems don't work? I go, well, everything works if the universe unfolds on your behalf. Mm-hmm. But I said at the, at the time they had no body cam. It was all like, you know, uh, the dash cam of okay. the okay. car. And, uh, and so we, we would show like multiple videos of cops getting killed, cops getting stabbed, cops getting beaten up, cops shooting people, cop mm-hmm. fight. And I go, are there any agency approved tactics in any of these videos? And you almost see nothing in the beginning. And I, the condition was it had to be a deadly force encounter okay. that erupted like what I call a jack-in-the-box moment. Right? Jack-in-the-box is... Bang. And you know the clown's there. And I always make this joke. I used to travel with a little jack-in-the-box to explain to people. I go, who's really fast? Come up here. It's three stooges. You're going to finger jab the clown. And I go... The lid would always pop. The clown would always pop before you could finger jab the clown right? You could, you know, the, right. the eye poke. So it would always be, pop, fuck, shit, right? Because yep. you're, you're actions, responding. Act, action's always faster than reaction. Mm-hmm. And I said, so when you learn, here's you get out of a headlock, here's what you do if a gun, get, gun grab, here's what you do if a guy sticks a gun in the face, here's what you get. You're violating physics in every training modality. You're saying, you move first, I'll move second, I'll intercept it with this perfect move. not how the
0: world works. And I would tell people... over any of these situations that you're showing them. Exactly. Model.
1: And I would say to people... It's not what we believe, it's what we see. And I started in the 80s reverse engineering scenario training, and I call it the three Rs: realistic, relevant, rigorous. Not what we want to believe is going to happen. Attack me like this so I can do this kick. Okay. So a lot of times what we do is we set up, especially as martial arts instructors, we set up demos to showcase our skill set because we're trying to sign somebody up. Yep. And and listen. Let's talk about neural patterns and unconscious bias. And I know that I'm going in a different direction. If you've been boxing your whole life and a guy walks up to you and goes, fuck you, man, and starts a fight in a bar or road rage or whatever, you're going to
0: want to turn that into a boxing match. You're
1: never going to go, fuck, I'm going to do a jump back kick right now. You wouldn't even occur to you because you're a boxer. If you're a Taekwondo expert, you've been doing Taekwondo and a guy shoves you, you're going, this is perfect. I can jam with a sidekick here. I can Mm -hmm. front kick him. You're not going to go, I'm going to double leg this guy. If you're a grappler and he shoves you, you're thinking double leg. You're not thinking I'm going to hit him with an uppercut. Every person who falls in love with their martial art journey develops a romantic relationship with that art. That romantic relationship, by, by definition yep. and by default, creates, creates neural patterns and an unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. So that when, and this is a famous story, that we, so we, we train a lot of trainers. And I've t- been telling this story. In fact, it was, it was my birthday yesterday. And this guy was in this class in 1986. We're still friends to this day. His name's Larry. He sent me a birthday message yesterday, but it's why I remember it, because it's Larry. I said in the class, guys, Here's where the scenario is going to take place. The moment you can break free, that could be a push. You're going to run to that door. It's, it was a thirty foot sprint. That door represents a police station, a hospital, safe haven. Okay. The doormen. you're out of there. You're not. I. We are not standing and fighting with threats in the street. Yep. We're breaking contacts. Uh, contact, and context is everything. Because if you're Family was in a room behind that. Of course, you've got to go through them. Yep. But this is mono, mono, force on force. And Larry, who I'm just meeting, like this is going back like almost 40 years, puts his hand up. He says, with all due respect, Mr. Blower, we came here to learn how to fight. I think we all know how to run. And I said, Larry, the fact that you won't even entertaining, entertain running in a force on force scenario training means your ego and pride is probably going
0: to keep you in a violent encounter. When you which, could have gotten away. You could have gotten away. That's a really good point. You know? I, I think it's so... That's so overlooked. And that's where I was... I'm really glad you handled it that way, man. And and in that particular story, because it's always about what am I going to do once the fight has started? Uh, and there's a lot of rhetoric, uh, you know, around like, well, you, you're going to... This is how you handle this particular situation. This is how you handle this, this particular situation. This guy's right because of this training or or whatever. And it the questions always get asked. Like, well, how many fights you've been in, right? Mm. Or have you ever been shot back at? Or, you know, like, well, what happens when a knife comes out? And what happens when... A, you could keep going down this path right. over and over and over. So the reality of it is, to me, there is no one solution. There's never going to be one solution. So anybody that's telling you that there is one solution, you should probably, check, please, I'm out of here. Right. This goes so this conglomeration of martial arts and I mean, you mentioned the boxer, the grappler, the, the, the guy, the Muay Thai guy, the taek, Taekwondo guy, it is a mixture that. It's closer to mixed martial arts than it ever has been. And then this goes back to me saying like, or we got to the manslaughter piece, like mixed martial arts is violent. It's probably the one thing that we have out there on the planet right now that people can get away with. that It's that mm-hmm. close to doing long-term permanent damage to somebody. And we're calling it a sport. Um, but like even with those guys, like all right, now throw a knife in there and see what happens. All that training that they've had, mm-hmm. everything they've done, none of it matters if you're the guy behind the power curve. Here's know. and I got I got to say something because there's a lot of systems. I just actually did a, a whole thing on this
1: with Tim Larkin uh, about that because there's like a bunch of systems out there that are just dropping guns and knives into pop, a, into uh, the mix. into it. And but what you're seeing is still a reliance on the grappling. To control the guy while keeping yeah, let's, the weapon let's away. Let's
0: talk about this. Yeah,
1: and and there's value to it if you understand what you're doing. So I was at um, uh, Little Creek years ago, uh, working with uh, uh, Team Four, and we, this the topic came up, and um, and I said, okay, let's do this. And I took out a training weapon, and uh, I threw it on the ground between us me and, 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 one of the seals. Right. And, uh, everyone's standing around and I said, somebody say go. And I'm shit. I was probably 45 then. So everyone always looks at me as like, I thought you'd be bigger. And, <laughs> and I've literally had people like pick me up at the airport and they go, wow, you're way older than I thought you were. <laughs> and I'd go, dude, we've never met. And you'd never did your homework then. Cause they like well, could, you could easily no, figure but, that. But the, but the thing is they go, they, they've <laughs> had this a number of times. They go, Hey, you're older than I thought. And I go, but we've never met. And what I realize is like when you were 12, if you saw me in black belt magazine, yeah. you saw me when I was like 22. That's my, that's, and, then, and then you go to this 22 this and now you meet me and I'm 63 yeah. and you're going, wow, it's like, he's got like wrinkles and crow Weird. Feet and, and Weird. Gray hair. Right? <laughs> um, but it is so funny because panther productions uh released five videos on my system in 1986 so that was a lot of people saw that yeah that exposure and they would see that and i have zero tattoos and i got way more hair and i my my skin is fucking <laughs> like porcelain clean and i keep <laughs> punching the mic here. um and uh and i've had, it is just the funniest thing wow you're sorry what are you looking at you just you're just older than i thought you'd be uh, yeah. <laughs> right. People, and, that's what happens. Yeah, so, so it's funny. So anyways, um, what the hell story was so I telling? The knife's there.
0: Oh yeah. Is so the gun, so, we, so go. we throw the gun down. So yeah. I'm
1: here with like, like a 28 year old seal and they're like, and they're going and they want to move hard with you. Right. And so I'm standing here like this. I go, someone say, go, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight for the gun. And, um, someone says, go. And this guy dives at the gun. And as he dives down to the gun, I kick him in the face. Not hard. I got really good control. Hard enough. But, I, but yeah. it was, but not, not even like I wasn't a dick. It was, I, I have very, very good control, but it was like a, you know, yeah. and I, he flinches right away, but he misses the gun. Cause as he's reaching for it, I, I ripped that little snap front kick in his face, makes him flinch, push him away. And I could casually pick the gun up. And I was like, as soon as we said, look at the gun, you went for the gun. But if I knock you out, I can actually just look at the gun and go, oh, look, it's a Glock or it's this or that. I mean, I'm, I'm making fun here. right? But it was just this idea of what is closest the weapon, focus? closest target? Yeah. What should I be focusing on here right now? Um, there's levels. Yeah. And it's, so you can't just, you can't just throw a weapon in there and go, that was the most realistic shit we ever did. Uh, you know, there's, Again, I come back to the um, uh, four or five individuals who were actual, literal world champions in their martial art, who are now dead because they were murdered in mm-hmm. fights where and, uh, uh, I think two of them were a courageous bystander trying to trying to be the good Samaritan, and a couple other other ones were were it was mano a mano, and somebody just said, "Well, I'm not going to fucking." Grapple with you, i just going to shoot you, motherfucker, and then goes and gets a gun and shoots you. So um, hmm. I get asked, you do you remember the, the bar uh, called Scores in New York? I do remember this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it became famous because uh, Van Dam got yes. his ass kicked by Chuck Zito there. <laughs> exactly, and yes. I actually uh, Chuck Zito who's an acquaintance, not a friend. I don't even know that you would remember who I am. But he actually told me the story personally. It was it's classic. But he dropped Van Dam there. So it was a famous story. But what also made that place famous is a uh, one of their uh, lead doormen got shot in the face, 357, murdered there. Mm-hmm. And I'd become friends with how I got to know the guys. i friends with one of the managers at the place. And was doing some training for security people in New York. And he calls me the day after the murder. And he says to me on the phone, he says, dude, did you hear it up last night? He tells me a story. He says, guy came back, got thrown out of the club, came back with a gun. And in front of a lineup of people under a CCTV, pulls the gun out, shoots the guy in the face. Mm-hmm. And he goes, like, like we're debriefing everybody and talking about this. But, you know, what could my guy have done? What would and, you yeah, what? and but I said to him, this is my answer, and hopefully you'll you'll everyone listening to me, and I know I, I've gone down 90 different rabbit holes, is this is the essence and the philosophy. I said, What could he have done? He could have thrown him out of the club very differently. How do you eject somebody from a club that they go, you know what? I'm gonna murder this person in plain sight yes you get get so angry that Mm -hmm. you go get a gun and then shoot somebody and then go to prison um we don't in 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 general and not all martial arts and self-defense but in general we pay lip service to avoidance Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of courage to walk away from a fight Mm -hmm. because it attacks your self-image it attacks your ego it attacks your pride i mean you know uh How many times were, were, you know, your girl says to you, that guy just looked at me or he just grabbed my ass or that. And you're not thinking, who's this psycho? that Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that will disagree with this, but it's not, I'm not afraid to fight. I'm afraid of how
0: far this fight will go. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a dad. Especially if you know your own capability at the same time too. Yeah, but you have liability. Right.
1: And so... D1, detect and avoid. D2, diffuse and de-escalate. You said there's no one system. The the one system is understanding mm. what we call the timeline of violence. Mm. Understanding you got, a, you got a, a handyman, you got a carpenter, and you got our an architect. And I asked the handyman, hey, um, this paint keeps cracking on the wall here. The handyman goes, well, I can paint it for you. Yeah, but it keeps, like every year, I got to do it. Well, I'll just come back every year. The carpenter goes, well, you know, maybe you need some new uh, sheetrock or rock or whatever the hell mm-hmm. I can replace that and that'll solve that. The architect comes in, he goes, well, the foundation's moving because this is where your house was built. You're always going to have a problem unless you dig this up and do that. Mm-hmm. This is going to cost you to, well, in other words, the metaphor here is the architect Architect understands the, the big bigger picture. problem. Yeah. So we have a map in our training called the timeline of violence and it shows all of these the breakdowns and and the like inner workings of what is how does neurobiology affect what we think we're gonna do? Cause when we practice, we're practicing what we think we're gonna do in the future. Exactly. We're it's it's
0: it's uh, it's focused to a specific scenario.
1: Right. And and so what we what we do is it's almost like it's a uh what's the word I like to use? a, a continuum. Mm-hmm. We do our scenarios where I'll do a scenario where I go, Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I, you and I are getting an argument. We're going to go through the fuck you, fuck you back and forth. We're going to do this yeah. verbal assault. And then I'm going to jump up and punch you in the face. And we're going to fall over on the chair. And we're going to put on, I don't have a helmet here, but, you know, we're do high gear helmets so your nose can't get broken. Your cheek can, but you're going to get, get the impact. You're going to wear gear so you can't bruise your back. You're going to fall down. And you can just experience what that jack-in-the-box ambush looks like. And then we're going to do that. And your response is going to be primal. Primal is, we define primal responses. What is your body Your prior to your training? And it'll be, fuck, I was late. Because if I said to you, you're going to fight a guy in a bar stool and he stands up to go hit you, you go, well, I would stand up and I'd square off and I'd control the distance. Or I just watch Good yeah. Hunting. And when he comes at me, I'm going to go, how do you like the apples? I'm going to punch him in the face. And we have all these answers. As opposed to, let this happen so you understand the penalty of inaction. Actions faster than reaction. Mm-hmm. What makes me move faster in an ambush is if I can get in action with a hyphen. If I remove the hyphen in the word inaction, it means I did nothing. Yes. Right? Okay. So if all of my neural patterns are um, I'm gonna grab you, then I'm gonna post, and then I'm gonna punch you. Your training started here, where you go wax on, wax off, and you do a counter. Mm-hmm our training starts with, when did you have a bad feeling? Right. When did you go where the guy went and you're going, why is he looking at me like that? And we've actually done shit like this, man, where I'm telling 90 stories, try to remember them all. (laughs) This is, this is again, incubator period, eighties. I'm teaching a move. Someone goes to grab you, startle flinch, kicks up because I'm going, Hey man, what the fuck's going on? And and someone goes to grab you and you just, your hands just flinch the cover. And what it does is it automatically reflexively deflects the center line. Immediately step in, grab the head. And it's either a palm strike, a thumb in the eye, drop an elbow, a headbutt. force must always parallel danger. Let's not be dicks about this. A lot of self-defense guys are, well, you know, play stupid games, win stupid, fuck around and find out. Right. I fucking hate that in the context of this, because guess what? You fuck around and find out with moral, ethical, legal, and you're dating somebody in jail because right. you were cavalier uh, about violence. This is easily, this is very much overlooked a lot, a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. So we just say, well, I would just shoot the guy here. That's why I carry. That's why you don't even understand the, the, the neural circuitry of fear and the connection between neurobiology. So situational awareness is a conscious cognitive skill. Yes.
0: If you're not conscious... And you haven't been trained what to look for. Reticular activating system doesn't know. It's like trying to download fucking operating system from your Mac over there onto a Commodore 64. Right. It's, you're not ready for it. Just, you can't handle that. And not compatible. No, at
1: all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so was like, this isn't working. Yeah. And I've done that before and I'm not paying attention. And I downloaded like a Windows... Operating thing when it's supposed to be Mac, it's like who or what system you're on, and you're like, fuck, what's going on? Right, back to the but IT. The, that's things. the refra- Yeah, <laughs> but that's the refractory delay. Think about this: you're an operating system. Your hardware is your martial arts. Your I will do this is your software, mm-hmm. and fear is the virus, right? And so I can be here like this. If I'm here on my computer going, why the fuck won't this? I can be doing that. Where drop the gun, drop the gun, drop. That's the wheel turning. Yes. I was just having this conversation with somebody else lately, yeah. So, what we, so between stimulus response, is something called refractory delay. And it's when the emotional, psychological duress of whatever is going on, I, I want to, okay, hit the button when you're ready. And I'm like, is this the right answer? You're running out of time. Nah. Doesn't matter got the question right because action is faster than reaction and fight. What you want, this is such a big rabbit hole. What we work on in our system is mind speed. How quickly can I make a decision? How quickly can I pick up the fact that danger is close? Imminent is becoming immediate. It's like an assessment that's at Right. So I'm going, what the fuck's going on here? Imminent moving to immediate. I will get a fear spike. Anybody will get a fear spike. That's the physical. And a lot of type A personalities confuse, when I use the word fear or fear management, a lot of macho guys don't like to hear that. I'm not, every, if you Google fear George St. Pierre, one of the greatest NBA fighters. Mm -hmm. He talks about the only time he ever lost a fight was against Matt Sarah, knocked him out. He said it was the only time he wasn't afraid of fighting. And he jokes in the interview, maybe I should have been afraid of Matt Sarah because he knocked me out. Mm -hmm. He said every other time. Tyson used to cry and throw up before fights. Mm -hmm. He talks about it now. When people are in their macho phase of that, now that they're a little wiser, they go it's the customato thing. Fear is the friend of exceptional people. If you can switch your relationship with fear you and turn it into fuel, it becomes a spiritual or a, like a symbol and a signal that gets you moving in the direction that you need to move. Now, there are things in life that you must do afraid. You're just, the, the fear is going to be there. When you hit the flow state, you won't even think about it if you get there. But it's this idea of like, you know, when I asked my wife to marry me, I was like, "Oh fuck, is she the one? I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her." How do I know if she's not crazy? I don't like her. like all the you know the crazy fucking that, chart, the, right? The, the uh, crazy hot matrix, right, right? One of the greatest videos of all time. And she's kind of She's kind of crazy. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, like I was, af- I was excited, but I was afraid. Right. And then when I when I quit my dad's company to start my own business, I was afraid. And then when I decided to Move to the US to do my thing with the US Army or in our gear. I was scared shitless, but I'm like this hey, I'm Tony Blauer. You know, I'm here to like, I'm doing you're, the job. Yeah, you're putting on the front. The facades there, but inside I'm going, fuck, this is overcompensating. Work. Yeah. It's, I want to correct that. I'm not overcompensating. I'm controlling and managing my fear because I'm doing something outside my comfort zone. Okay. Okay. If, and this is what stress inoculation is, and this is what we figured out with our scenario training, where I could go, here's a video of this guy getting his ass kicked in this violent encounter. We're going to replicate that so that you experience the penalty of inaction. I've literally had uh, scenarios where we, the cop loses his gun like this, and then gets shot with the blank and then goes down to the ground, and we do that over and over again, and we're, we're, the, the officer in the training or the officer in the training are going, yeah, what the fuck are we doing? Cause they're so used to
0: the, the step one, step two, step three fix for everything. Got it. And I go, so you're throwing it all at them at one time. You're going to, you're going to eat this. Well, I'm, eat again, I'm saying if you do nothing, this, you die like this guy died
1: in this okay, video. I gotcha. And they get there and it, and, and I've done this in classes where you got 20, 30 cops in there. And the smell of fear and the sweat of fear becomes real where I'm actually guys in, in gear mm-hmm. and I'm jumping in on them and they're doing a role playing after they, they, see, they see the drill and you're grabbing their gun and I'm saying to them, eyes are closed guys and their role players, their partner is grabbing the gun. What's it feel like when you feel your gun coming out of your holster, but your hands not on your gun? It's somebody else's. Have you ever felt that? Well, have you ever felt that? No. Because no, you never trained it. Because you never trained it. One of our maxims for scenario-based training, if you don't think to do it in training, what makes you think you'll think to do it in the street? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's like, what's it feel like when the gun clears your holster and your hand's not on your gun? And then we have... There's another oh shit moment. Right? And then we have... And so you're not just going, well, I'm going to do this counter that I learned in this martial art class. You're right. just going to decide to do this. Okay. Right? Right. So there's no, again, the refractory delay, the emotional psychological duress where your brain is going, holy fuck. We just moved to another level. Right? Yeah. And then it was like, here's a gun coming up. And I would say, what does your gun smell like? Because guns have a smell. Oh, damn. Yeah. When, when your hand's not on the gun. This is your gun. And then we would do touching different parts of the body with the gun and- people think i'm insane i'm not gonna this is stress inoculation yeah it's not insane but guys are fucking sweating you could smell the fear and and i did this this literally took five minutes for the room to reek and then i had this one cop go and he goes uh i go yes he goes what the fuck are we what kind of fucking training is this because all the training was for i mean how many reps of having a gun pulled out of your holster can you do in five minutes 30, 40, yeah, 50, it, it, 10 seconds, A right. Reholster. Right. And people had, some people were SWAT leg thumb break. Some people were uh-huh. triple. So, and it was like, figure out the retention. And you were, and I said, it was like at the time when I first started doing this, like, like I think it was 1993. Um, no, it was 95 was my first time doing this drill. And, um, I think, I don't know if Men in Black was out there, but I remember saying, you're like, you're frozen. You're like just deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. And watch all of the, and I would say to guys, I'm going to stand up here and fuck you guys up, pretend you're frozen. And I come in and I'm like this, and I'm like, fucking, hands, and you're watching me fucking grab the gun, and then I'm doing this. And guys are literally like, and I say, if you're They're nervous, that uncomfortable, if them. you're that, un- and you should be, right? But nobody's teaching that, and so I had seen a video produced by Caliber Press of interviews of police officers who had lost their guns Mm -hmm. in gunfights and had had the gun turned on them, and they're all all guys that were paralyzed, missing parts of their face, wheelchair, right? Wow. Um, And uh, the the video is called Ultimate Survivors. It's decades old, and every single one of them said, "I could see it happening." Maybe every one of them said, "You're close." Said. They target glanced my gun and then he was on me. And and I and they go, next thing I know is on the ground and I'm losing control. And I was like,
0: nobody, when you've done weapon retention drills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where does the drill start? It usually starts with hands on the gun already. Right? So you're in D three.
1: Right. How do you so I did this once? Guys are gonna laugh. And and again, people are gonna go, I thought you were bigger. i never seen you in the UFC <laughs> and all this. I had a, a UFC fighter at one of my seminars. And I said, guys, uh, when you learn lateral vascular neck restraint, carotid restraint, the rear strangle, where does that drill start in the rear strangle? Yeah, well, somebody, you're already, you're already somebody, there. Somebody behind you, and then it's like you're learning to do different things. But where are all the things that happened before that happened? Right, yeah. and I said, and I'll ask you this real question, when somebody puts a rear strangle on you, how long do you have to tap
0: out or pass out? I mean, it depends, but it's not very long once they're there. Do you know what the urban legend is? It's four to seven seconds. I, no, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, so, I've been I've been choked out before. So yeah. sometimes sometimes longer, sometimes not. You know, so, but most
1: people, if you ask an expert, how long do you can make choke okay, somebody four arm, to seven. They'll say between four and seven once seconds. Once that choke is Depending on. on the neck. Got it. So I said to the group, there's 30 people in the seminar. I said, guys, what is it? Four to seven seconds. And I look over at this buddy of mine. He's a UFC alternate. I said, you got a pretty good rear strangle, right? And he's like sitting, you know, like at the back of the class because he's, he's a buddy of mine. I said, I want you to put the rear strangle on me. Because I swear to God, I did this. And, uh, and let's see how long I last. And he's like, okay. And he starts to stand up. and He's like 30 feet away. I go, hold on a second. I go, who's got a watch? They're like a lot of people have their Casios on. and go, okay, four to seven seconds. You're going to say three, two, one, go, start the watch. And uh, everyone's like kind of looking at me because he's like 30 feet away from me. And the guy goes, I okay, go, ready, go. He goes, well, you want me to go? You have to start the fucking timer. Right. He goes, three, two, one, go. And I stand there like this and he starts to move towards me. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. And as he moves around the crowd, I move the other way. Sure. And I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And I go, let me know when it hits seven seconds. And he goes, seven. And I fall down on the ground. Like, I'll go, wait a minute. Oh, fuck. And I'm making a joke like, Seven seconds after you stop fucking fighting. Right. You pass out. And After you stop fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and look, there's going to be people on here that are amazing at jujitsu. go, well, I've done this and I've done, you know, I got a buddy of mine who does this uh, uh, a training gun thing where he, he goes like, a lot of people think that, you know, you'd be able to get your gun out and shoot someone if they're choking you. And he's a buddy of mine and it's a great demo, but he starts hooks in behind the guy like this. And the guy's got a gun in his belt and he just has to do this. But you're here like this. This is the neural bi- biology of survival. Mm-hmm. If I say don't flinch and and I and I walk up to you and I, I go to hit you in the nuts, you're going to go, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Right? You're going to move. Every time. If I take a pinprick and I go, hey, and I poke you, you're going to go, ow, what the yeah. fuck, man? You will stress inoculate. Like eventually you go, oh, if you do that again, I'll punch you in the face. Don't do it. Don't... ACP, Awareness, Consent, Preparation. Mm-hmm. That's what's missing in all of this. Anyways, I'm telling 90 stories at once. No. The, the, the cop thing, I know you got so many questions. The cop, when I first did this in 95, he goes, what the fuck are we doing? I said, I've been waiting for somebody to ask that question. I go, this is the penalty of inaction. This is a, the penalty of not taking the threat seriously. This is the penalty of your intuition going something's off here, but not having a system To practice Mm -hmm. intuition and manifest courage, because the first thing you'll get when you go something's off is you'll get a fear spike. Is if there's a feeling, yeah. And so, so in our system, we go look timeline of violence. When you get the fear spike, you need to manage the fear. That's a self awareness piece. Look at how holistic this is. This isn't like this is the move, right? And so people think I'm putting down their moves, and I know all the moves. This is what I was asking before. Yeah, I love all the moves. I'm martial artist. They're cool, but I understand. That in certain confrontations, it's not about being technical,
0: it's about being tactical. Mm. And, I mean, you already brought this up. There's some percentage of luck that comes into all this, too. So be prepared for that right. as well. And for, bad luck, too. That's, yeah. <laughs> so there's different types luck. of luck. Luck will go either way. No, you, you are answering the questions um, through the stories, quite frankly. I think the, 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 the challenge that i see out there you know that's that's sort of being broadcasted is we have a solution for this thing and what you're seeing maybe is a video of some let's say entanglement i guess would be the mm-hmm. the term i would say you're already in hand to hand you are already within your chest to chest or right. you know head on chest you know you got a hook in and whatever that's that's what's being broadcasted now it's also tough because I have not taken that class from this video. This guy that's doing this video that I see, you know, on the interwebs or whatever else. So I don't know what he's covered up into that right. point. But what it's what what it's showing, or what it at least seemingly see, seems to me is is that what you're doing is you're trying to show a solution to this very problem once it's reached that point. But I've also recognized that there is no one one answer for any of these things, and that I've never seen any. Like, you can watch a lot of video. You just mentioned all the body cam, dash cam, CCTV stuff, you know, whatever else that you're seeing. How many of those things look exactly the same every mm-hmm. time? I, I, I've i never seen one that looks the same as another. I've seen things that look similar, mm-hmm. right, with guns. I've seen some that look similar with knives. Uh, but the, Because but, there's a technology. Yes, because they're, yeah, exactly. But there's also, the, the similarities are, they happen really fucking fast most of the time. Once it gets started, once the violence starts, it's fast and furious. And almost every time, again, from the outside looking in, like if you're looking at it through body cam or dash cam or, you know, again, the CCTV, you're not seeing through that angle or through that lens what the human eye is seeing. Uh, you are just – you're seeing the scenario play out. And, again, you already know something's bad's going to happen or you wouldn't right. be watching this video in the first place. And so there's a lot of this Monday morning quarterbacking. And I think there's a lot of systems or solutions being provided from that platform. Right. Uh, versus what you, are I hear what you're saying with you know with the guy being touched with the with the muzzle of his gun all over his body. That's fucked up. Like yeah. I'm just you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking in my head like, go ahead, go home. You know, just make sure your gun right. is fucking safe. safe. Yeah, and do that and see how that fucking feels. It feels it's gonna feel wrong. Well, that's well, all. That's well, all well, I can and, say. And
1: and again, like I I didn't tell anyone what the rest of the training was i mean and then that's important it's not like it didn't stop there no, no i'm not then, thinking
0: it does yeah, you, but yeah. You're, what you're doing is you're getting you're building up to something here like and it's, it's providing it's, a real reality it's, it's check also
1: just just for people who are maybe selective listeners uh that was a, that was a subtle insult you know going did he, did he say this and uh it's if we can't blend emotional psychological stress and duress into the training yes you're not stress inoculated
0: correct yeah i i i, I don't have to be an expert at this to know this yeah. there's so many components to it right like so in these again in these scenarios what you see is the dash camera body cam footage after right, right. there was a high speed pursuit then there was a foot chase right then there was uh along the way there was I don't know, maybe there were some shots exchanged and then the foot chase continued. Right. And then you went into a very small or confined space. And the next thing you know, you got this ambush and there's more than one of them now. These are all the things that like, you know, when you put together training, I would, I I speak to what you're talking about, the physiological and psychological aspects of this. Every little thing you layer on can be helpful, but, and it can also be very realistic, but we don't usually train that way. Mm -hmm. Um, for what a reason? So I guess that would be the the question is like, how come we don't train that way? I don't know. <laughs> I because this is what we've been doing since the eighties. Okay, so that's the answer. Like right. this is we've always done
1: it this way, so we're going to do it. This well, way. I didn't always do it. I'm it, not it saying was, you. yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is like I did it the way other people do it. Like okay, grab me like this and do this. Okay, you like or we would do a scenario where you know you know would be like. Uh, Hatfields versus the McCoys, right? um, or, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, what was that musical? I always make the musical joke, West Side Story, yep. you know, and they're going, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Singing, very dramatic, Singing Maria, slinging my knife. <laughs> it's very but, dramatic, Yeah. But, you know, but then what we would do is like, if I did, uh, uh, like a confrontation when we started doing our scenarios, it would be you know, guy goes, Hey, and you go, I don't want any trouble. Like you immediately hit a stance as opposed to wait a minute. No. And that's where I started to grow the scenario. You know, we didn't turn it into an off-Broadway play, but it was like, it was like, you're going to be here. uh, You're waiting at a bus stop or you're at work working late. And uh, the guy you fired comes in and it, it would force you So if I said, you know, you just fired me and I came in and you're going, hey man, what are you doing here? Yeah, I forgot something on my desk. And by the way, motherfucker, now I got to, and you're forced. So now when I attack you, you're in the middle of a conversation. If if I, a lot of people don't realize this, that if I get you to think something or say something, I totally change your reaction time. So if you had a gun on me and I went, uh, point your finger at me, and uh, actually, pass me that cert gun there. Let's make this. Let's. let's there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't know what a cert is. <laughs> what kind of what kind of hired help do you have? <laughs> okay. So here, stick that. At, point that at me. Shoot me in the chest. Okay. We can see the is the mm-hmm. laser hitting there. Yep. It, 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 fire. Hit me green. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your fingers on the trigger. Yep. Reset it so that it's just the red. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here like this, and I got my hands up. When I move, shoot me. Okay, so you hit me here. I'm going super slow so people can see. When I move, shoot me. Okay, the, and this is real. Before we do the demo,
0: mm-hmm. okay, is your right hand? Are you right-handed, dominant or left-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay, didn't shoot yet, did you? No, it's but it was it was on okay. the on the toolbox over right. there. When it went so, and,
1: but you guys, see how slow I'm going. And you're probably thinking he's fucking around with me. I know he's asking you a question here, but uh, you when when you when I occupied your brain. And I started to move. So if I went like this and you're getting ready to shoot me and I go, dude, my wallet's in my back pocket permission. Don't shoot. Can I get it? My back pocket. Yeah. And I'm moving, yeah. right? Like it totally changed the, re- the refractory delay changed stimulus response. So if you can go look how fast I am when I do this, beep, beep, beep. And it, if I, if I say to you, hold on a second, I have a question in any way. Right. And so the, the real simple lesson there is if I get you thinking about something or get you speaking because you're thinking, I change your reaction time. That's a two-way street, right? Yes. 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 yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's an even deeper one. And hopefully, you know, the emoji
0: with the head. Shh. What if your self-talk is changing your reaction that's, time that's exactly where i was going with that that is right? a two-way it's street it's like i'm here yeah. going
1: well, i i thought you meant like he could do that to you and it's going to change no no, no
0: no no like in my internal in I'm my going, head, yeah do, don't don't fuck up this movie you didn't but practice if I'm it going, enough. do i really want to do this you know like should if i got, do this and, am i good enough to right? do this like i don't know is he pulling a gun is he not pulling a gun like what's happening here like because who's behind him like and that and those are all real good questions
1: but if you ask them like the tone that you were acting there yep. was a fear infused tone Uh, yep, right deliberately which is very different than processing like the terminator screen right right (laughs) right my i don't talk about this a lot my family had a home invasion uh in 2010 in virginia beach i was not home uh guys came in the house with guns put my uh, family in a closet wow came and grabbed my wife no masks very very bad signs yep grabbed my wife the guy had the gun here like this. My son was 16 at the time. Pulls her, he had already called 911 when they came in. And that probably saved their lives because the cops where we lived in Virginia Beach, that shit doesn't happen. They were there like inside of a minute. Wow. Sirens blasting. So these guys uh ran when they heard they, they heard the sirens come coming up hot. Thank God. And um, but before that, they with a gun over here, grabbed my wife by the shoulder and said, where's the money? Where's the jewelry? Where's that? And it was my daughter's closet that they had shoved them in. My son was there. My two daughters are there. My wife's there in a small kid's closet. My son says to me, 16 years old, and I'm like holding back tears. He says to me, uh, cause he's, he had trained with me a lot. He said, uh, dad, I remembered what you said about secondary crime scene and they weren't wearing masks and they went and grabbed mom and the guy's gun was down here. And I remember that move that you taught me. But I also remember, imagine you're a 16 year old kid saying this. No, I can't. You're, he says to me, I remembered what you told me. Expect a shot to go off. And he looked at me and he paused and he's got tears in his eyes. He said, I had to let them take mom because I knew if I'd gone for the gun there, one of my sisters would have been shot. And when I tell that story, I'm not going, look at me. I'm going, look at the awareness, mm-hmm. the self-awareness and situational awareness a 16-year-old had. Imagine if I had only just taught him moves. If it's at a left hand here, do this. He might've done the move, popped off a sympathetic shot because of the guy had his finger right. on the trigger, pops it off, round hits his sister, right? So, the fact that he i mean everyone was fine uh you know and and they all end up getting caught and going to jail and what have you but but the um like i tell that story cuz it's amazing cuz it's what we were talking about here where you should still be wondering where that round's going to go yep. and what the backdrop is and is it safe to move and the the rules of pointing a weapon or pulling a trigger on on a, on a real gun and i'm not being cavalier about this stuff i just i just there's something in And this goes back to my origin story of always being afraid. I started teaching self-defense because somebody asked me to teach their son who was getting bullied. And in that experience, I found this this, um, serendipitous potential. I was going to help you, but you were helping me. Mm. I had to figure out shit because when I looked at you, and you said, yeah, but what if he has a gun or what if he has this? I couldn't lie. I had to do the research. You know, we're all taught as guys, right? Kick someone in the balls, <laughs> right? And so that got passed on to me, my training. And then, you know, I'm doing a class uh, seminar, it's 1980, whatever, two, three. And I say, guys, listen, here you're like this, whack, just drill a guy in the balls. Because every guy's been, hit in the right or left testicle it's debilitating and man. we're like oh <laughs> fuck that hurts right we're doing this shut you down and i would say just kick him the balls and then he's either gonna double over pass out throw up or he's just i ah, comes over grab his head fucking knee him and you're done get out of there and um finish the seminar everyone's thanking me a guy walks over he goes mr blower I go, yeah He goes, i'm a police officer montreal police um The thing about the the kick to the balls, it's not true. And I'm like, the fuck you talking about, right? He goes, I had a guy try to kill me one night and he kicked me in the balls, surprised me. But he had already told me he's going to kill me. And I'm like, what? And he fucking punched me in the face, kicked me in the balls. But I knew he was going for my gun, trying to kill me. And I knew if I stopped fighting, I was going to die. He said, so getting kicked in the balls hurts a lot but it's not physically it's not, debilitating. It's not the answer, yeah. It's not physically debilitating. Now, there may be a thousand people listening to that that don't know that. How important is that? That if I punch you in the solar plexus or I do that Sean Connery fucking Presidio <laughs> shot, right? right, That's physically debilitating. If I jam you here and you go, yeah. oh, right, you got to go through that, that process mm-hmm. until you clear. If you've ever been winded in a fight, Right? Yeah. Somebody hit you with a liver shot or a gut shot. You're like, and you're like, yeah, I'm a, (laughs) oh shit! You been there, done that. You, you, it doesn't matter how tough you are. Your body just went fuck you, and you went down. So some things are physically debilitating. So, but guys have been sold the myth because getting a flick in the nuts hurts. So I'm like thinking, first of all, I thank the guy for not throwing me under the bus in front of the class. I was like, wow. And then I was like, but this is where my brain was working as a as a 20 year old Coming like in a, as a coach yep. I'm going how do you even practice that that's like what did you, like, right. I'm going to kick you in the balls as hard as i can and then you kick me and then we'll talk about it like <laughs> you're like i'm not practicing that <laughs> yeah and and um literally a week later i'm at my apartment and one of my uh top, top students over this kid, Stevie, who was like, I always described him as a, a blend of like if Sugar Ray Leonard and Bruce Lee had a kid, it was this kid, Steve, he just was anything I showed him, he could just do right away really well. I was like, fuck, you know, everyone hates you, right? He's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) He was, we called him the prodigy. Tough, tough kid. Uh, uh, Anyways, but we'd always do the uh, Pink Panther, uh, um, Kato shit. Okay. Right. We were very, very close. Nobody ever bowed to me or called me sensei. I was like, you know, it was, we didn't even wear uniforms or belts when we trained, but we, like I might be getting something out of the fridge and I look up and he'd back fist me in the face. And I would like you motherfucker. <laughs> and we chased it around the house. And, and so literally we're in the kitchen. He throws a shot at me. And this is like a, like a, like a, like a John Wick born thing in the kitchen, but we're wearing jeans and stuff like this. And he goes, but everything was pulling, just like slap fighting. Mm-hmm. And he goes to front kick me as I go to do something. And we realize the X axis is crossed and his front kick is going to nail me. Right, right in there. In right. My, and he's wearing like tennis shoes, right? Fucking flat. Their shoes are coming up. And I'm wearing tight jeans. I'm not wearing a cup. We never wore cups. And everything goes into tacky psyche, fancy for slow motion. And I'm like, shit, I love, this is wrong. And I see his eyes doing this, but he can't stop the kick. Mm-hmm. And it fucking drills me in the nuts. And I see him as he's kicking me in the nuts, going
0: "Sorry," <laughs> like, <laughs> that's already and, started. But this is a week after, after the cough, yeah.
1: and I'm going, "Oh, universe, you fucker! Yeah. Teaching right? you a lesson, right? right? Or not teaching me a lesson, giving me a lesson, yeah, that right?" Too. Yeah. And I go, "I wonder if this is true?" Because I, I said, You're "About to found out." Find I out. said last week, "How the fuck do you practice that?" Here's how you practice. Here it. you are, and boom, it drills me. And as it drills me, I go, am I going to reflexively do what I've done for, for two decades? Oh. Yeah, right. Because whenever I got, you know, I, I was in tournaments where a guy would kick me in the cup. And I'd go, fuck, yeah, that's illegal. Like, what, what, is every, yeah. what does every MMA fighter or boxer do when they get hit? They turn away from the threat. Right. If a guy hits you in the nuts in a street fighter, you're going, oh, fuck. Yeah. You better not. Right? So, but we create a neural pattern of, oh. And then we might go, you yeah, know, that didn't even hurt that much, but I'm going to take the minute. I'm going to take five minutes now, right? So my brain is seeing me going, and I go, maybe this cop's onto something. And I grab Steve by the throat and I yank him in and he's like, and I fucking sweep him to the ground and he's falling down and I'm come, i coming down like this and he's on the ground going, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's all in slow motion. And I go, and I'm there and I go, I could fucking... Fucking crack his head. I'm good. And I'm, and this is happening like in a nanosecond, right? And I go, I'm good. And he goes, uh, and I say to myself, there's like no pain. I can fucking fight. This cop was right. And then I stopped. And as soon as I stopped, and Steve's like, like thinking like I'm going to drill him. And I'm here like this, and I stop. And as soon as I stop, it's like a midget with a flamethrower goes, you know, with a torch, goes, and I'm going, ah, right? Like <laughs> Then it starts up. Right? Like yeah. As soon as I stop thinking about fighting, the pain hit. It, okay. And, and you hear about stories like that in, in battle, military, yep. like the fight's over. Yep. And someone goes, dude, are you bleeding? And you're like, oh, fuck, I was hit. Yeah, I got shot. You know, you, you, don't, you don't realize it because you stayed in the fight. There was a time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time, um, I used to do consulting for H&K uh at okay. clencock Heck, ba- back in the day and they used to when simunitions were just coming out if you got shot in force and force training you went down yeah there was a time when it was like you're coming to the house and the bad guy went bang if you got hit there would be there'd be uh like a like a training person yep. you're hit and okay. you have to go down and then i was there going like why wouldn't you teach him to sh- like and a lot of times you get shot in your shooting arm Cause guys, cause yeah, cause it's out your hands. Yeah. Right. And I go, why wouldn't you teach somebody to switch hands and fucking shoot the guy or charge the threat or fight? Like yeah, you're, you're teaching him to stop once, right? once he's been, it's hit. neural patterns. It's just, it's simple Pavlov's dog. Right. And so, I mean, class. So I started challenging those questions
0: and, and, uh, and I realized I needed to create my own scenario protocol. Yeah. And that's where this thing is, is turned into. And so when you see what you're doing or what you have done, it looked very different for a long time. And now what I'm seeing is more people trying to edge their way towards that, uh, in, in their own way, right. With, with the things that they're doing and the people that they're working with. The I, I, I wish, and, and
1: I know you got a lot of trainers who, who, who follow your show. I wish people looked at me as a resource, um, I'm just a coach and a coach is only my, the, you know, when we do our train, the trainer courses, one of our first slides is the difference between a coach and a teacher. And we say a teacher, you know, says, Hey, this is going to be on your test, learn it, memorize it. But a coach is only about inspiring performance. The coach's single role is, are you going to be better tomorrow than you? Because of, of what, what we did. Mm-hmm. And And a lot of coaching, like conventional coaching, I remember uh, being interviewed by um, Ben Bergeron, who's uh, mm-hmm. you know Ben. Yeah, um, he heard me talking about this. He said I got to have you on my podcast, and it was the I, I told him the the journey of the coach is technician, trainer, coach. Everyone calls themselves a coach, but the journey is technician, trainer, coach. It's like okay, guys, here's how you deadlift. You know, here's a hook grip. Here's where I want your feet. Here's that's technician shit. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way of looking um, at it. Yeah, trainer. Oh, now I'm starting to understand programming and modalities. I could teach the mechanics. Yeah. yeah. So it's the mechanics, but I can also say, hey, this is your PR, so I want you doing this mm-hmm. percentage and blah, blah, blah. But there are very few coaches, because the coach goes, because I you see somebody warming up with PVC, and then you add weight. If the weight inspires fear, their range of motion changes. changes. Mm-hmm. And now when their range of motion changes, that's where people get injured. The performance sucks. Performance sucks. Mm-hmm. Injuries start to happen. Yep. And so I go like, how do you optimize the human being? If you're not, if you, and particularly in the self-defense realm, and, and like I'm talking about like not combat sports because while there's danger there, it's not like we were talking about before the show. I'm going to make this decision. Could cost me my life or I'm going to jail or cost me everything. We can't be cavalier about it. If you're not studying neurobiology, neuroscience, signal speed, refractory delay, reticular activating system, all this. You're not coaching. You you can't. All you're teaching people is here's a move Move. that could solve this problem.
0: Yeah. And you're giving, and then you're leaving it up to them to kind of figure that out rather than teaching them the moves, perhaps, and then more importantly, empowering them to, and, and training them in a way that they can utilize those moves the best they can in the scenarios that may present themselves. Uh, like it's great to have the moves.
1: Like yeah. if I if I say to you, "Hey man, I need you to fix this problem." Here's your toolbox, and there's
0: no tools in there. Yeah, you're fucked. You gotta have tools. Then you gotta go. You gotta go farm that out to somebody else. Then that's what you're expecting somebody to do. Or and there's a great expression for safety that that. Uh, um,
1: Jack Donovan. You ever read Jack Donovan's um, uh, treatise? Uh, uh, Violence is golden. I have not. Oh, you got to Google violence is golden by Jack Donovan. Um, He had me on his show years ago and I was explaining stuff and he said, and he basically summed it up and I always quote him because he said it so elegantly and eloquently. He said, you're asking people to not outsource their safety. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like, fuck, I'm calling the police. I'm i what did
0: you say? I'm calling my brother. He's gonna fucking kick your ass. It's that's become a theme on the show, man. And that is, you know, like that. How many people do that? And talking to people that work in law enforcement or whatever, and they've dealt with victims that all of them, you know, outsourced their safety to somebody else. They they expected, wanted, or just assumed well, somebody else it, would take care is, of it. This is the essence behind our be your own bodyguard program, and the and
1: one one of the one of our memes, maxims, whatever you call it these days, is. Um, uh, in your fight, your point, mm-hmm. and and that that the uh, the idea that like in a real violent encounter, you don't have time to dial nine one one. It's just happening. So uh, you know, it's 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 weird. But I, I was starting to say for everyone out there, like we're a higher level. And that sounds obnoxious, but I don't mean to be that. A higher level resource for like I've done decades of of research studying violence fear aggression and how it impacts how we move and and uh like this story i, I told right in the beginning of the guy shooting the guy in the face mm-hmm. from 30 yards a headshot from 30 yards in a gunfight is very impressive it's
0: impressive yeah. it's really
1: impressive if you're not looking you're not even looking right yeah. you're like
0: fuck <laughs> i'm gonna ambush that's some john
1: wick shit but but what i explained to the group this morning and I explained to your group had this individual not been a good shot not afraid of shooting not afraid of holding a gun, uh, understanding the, the, the uh, s- space, time, trajectories. Like if I go, someone goes, look out over here, my survival system goes, oh, I, you know, I'm looking at you at 12 o'clock. That's them. a five o'clock threat. So if all of a sudden I heard something and I went, shit, and I, mm-hmm. I'd be on there. But if I've never practiced concealed carry or drawing, like we do crazy drills like in our, in our uh, we've we got a course called uh, Conceal Carry is Everything is off balance on purpose. The premise is you're going to be off balance in a real fight, emotionally, psychologically, physically. Yeah, make it as
0: uncomfortable as you can make it.
1: And then that's the, this is, I never finished this thought, the continuum idea that we build everything we call primal gross motor, then protective gross motor, then tactical gross motor. So that's the whole SPEAR. Spear's is the acronym for Spontaneous Protection, Enabling Accelerated Response. How do we weaponize the startle flinch? Our startle flinch is, is truly, it's, it's the magic of our human weapon system. It's a biological airbag. It puts and you in a position to do the next thing. Well, the first, and, But the first thing to think about is that if I jumped you and surprised you, startle flinching is a non-conscious response to a sudden threat. So if I said to you, I'm going to jump across the chair and you're going to do wax on, wax off. For you to download, to pick up the stimulus and then go, I'm going to do a rise Respond. Bond, right? Or I'm going to parry. Or With I'm going to bob and weave. Your conscious, cognitive, situational awareness picks up the move and then says, now. And it's got to do something. Where startle flinch is non-conscious. If you thought there was a spider here or... You, 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 you know, you picked up something and you you go, fuck, like everyone here watching this has flinched. Now think about this. You flinched thousands of times Mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. Think about this or consider this. You've never said to yourself, flinch. Flinch. Yeah. It's just automatic. So that's amazing. Now, sometimes you flinch in anticipation, anticipation of something that doesn't ever happen. You're opening the door. You hear something. Yeah, people you know. do it in firearms. They flinch before the Antis gun goes big. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then sometimes you flinch because there is a real energy, a threat, the sure. anticipation of danger. The more you learn to convert the flinch, the faster the space between stimulus response is. So when an untrained, if, if you talk to any of your buddies who are uh, crime scene investigators, knife attacks, you will almost always see in a frontal assault, Slash and stab marks on the forearm, mm-hmm. and then stab marks work the, on, its way on up. the back, because the person goes here, 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 yep. here, and they turn away, and they find the person like dead on the stairs, With and multiple more. Right, yep. and the the it's because, and I always I would make this joke, because forensic specialists go, oh, these are defensive wounds, and I go, no, they're startle flinch wounds, and it's important. The semantics are important. Why? Because almost exclusively unarmed people who are shot in gunfights and knife fights have trauma on the hands and forearms. Someone goes through a windshield with no seatbelt on, not 99% of the time, 100% of the time, there's trauma on the hands and the forearms. That means that as fast as your car hit that tree and you went through the window, your your hands came up first before your head think about how fucking fast it is and think about the fact that i didn't have to say i'm going to do my shoulder cam block here i'm going to do my wing chun block here right and you just went fuck so i had that insight in the 80s and then have spent decades figuring out pavlovian type drills to weaponize the start of flinching what we're doing is we didn't invent flinching or physiology just using we're, it. we're just we're exploiting it it's it's a hardwired reflex and it's a spinal level reflex and if i can weaponize my flinch that means that when i'm surprised and it's this is where the where ego and self-awareness comes in can you concede that it's possible that you'll be surprised in a real violent encounter yeah and if you can you'll go what the fuck where did he come from you know that you, that might not be the best moment for you to do your skip sidekick or your throw <laughs> or your spinning back fist or what have you so it's pretty neat i mean this this whole thing and there's uh and I would tell people this, it's, it's, I'm taking my reactive response, my survival response of startle flinch. And then I'm telling my cognitive brain, this is good. Yeah. You, you made the right choice. I, it, <laughs> it was a choiceless choice because right. I, you can't not flinch if there's a true surprise. Right. What can I do? Cause so the initial element of the airbag deploying is to protect the head. So the hands come in first inside 90. If your hands are free, fingers are always splayed. Then without any training, I'll do this. Shit, I'll start to turn and push away danger. This is where the training comes. I now access my complex motor skills says, huh, if I splay my fingers and I engage my cross extensor chain, I will have a way faster, stronger position. And that becomes that spear movement. And anyone can learn this regardless of gender, regardless of experience. Size, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually the strong, it's a core to extremity explosion at a spinal level. And it still blows my mind because we share in our training the actual like pages from books on neuroanatomy and doctors going, like, this isn't me making this shit up, guys. And people are still going, who wants to flinch? Why do you want to flinch? I mean, like, like they they think i'm s- s- selling snake oil
0: shit yeah, i think it's interesting because we I think we were talking about this before a little bit and that is just the that you know people train in a certain way with the expectation that when the thing happens whatever the thing is it's going to happen in that way and that they'll be ready for it and so we were talking about the levels and again going back to the boxer versus the grappler versus taekwondo muay thai whatever you're going to move through different levels in that fight, potentially, right? It starts as like, I've got to get out of here. And then you can't get out of there. And so what, what, what level is it? It's like, it's an arm's length, right? And then it's, then maybe it moves back out to at leg's length. You can call sure. on that Taekwondo or whatever else. hundred percent. It's what happens though, when it gets into that, I don't know what you call that space, um, where it's almost chest on chest, that person is like, they're, they can get their hands on you now. So so yeah. here, I mean, that's very accurate, but
1: we can, there's a video that we have of when that pipe bomb went off at the Olympics in Atlanta. Okay. And you could see, because it was so far away from the video, that people close to the blast were like, fuck, like very, very, and, and as you got further away from where the camera was, it was like, whoa, what was that? That sounded like a bomb. So proxemics is huge and your body intuitively has this radar of like- Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so I could pick up something and do this from like 10 feet away and you could and still, still go, gonna, you could still go, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're like, the chair's not even near you, but your body doesn't know that. Interesting. We, there's some baseball pictures that we um, that we show where, you know, like a, ba- a bat is coming into the, crowd, into the crowd. and, yeah. and But there's like, 30 feet of people all flinching the same way yeah. because they're they don't, all down the line. Yeah. And they don't realize like, this is nowhere near me. They react. So there's three stimuli that'll, that'll immediately trigger a flinch auditory, visual and tactile. And so your auditory is your fastest, right. your visual is next. A lot of people think their eyes are, but it's your, it's your auditory that, that moves faster, but it's, it's like negligible. You need machinery to see the difference. And uh, so there's the amazing things where you see somebody almost getting hit by that, but like ten feet away, this same, guy's in the same, same position. Thing. Yeah, same so, thing. So, but this this plays back to this universal flinch theory that that we share, and we go listen. And for the for the naysayers and the people that go, oh, I go listen. Pretend here is your metaphor. You have a restored '67 Mustang, and you put in new transmission and you like a new engine, and it's badass and you're a really good driver, and it's this badass muscle car, but you don't have an airbag in the car, Mm -hmm. and you're going to go driving. And I know you're a good driver, but guess what? If you've been in a car accident, I bet it was the other person's fault. And so in this metaphor, the sucker punch in the street, the sudden active shooter in front of you, it's the other guy's fault. It doesn't matter how good a driver you are. In other words, if you track in this metaphor... It doesn't matter that you're a black belt in jujitsu, a black belt in taekwondo, a black belt in MMA, because you're sitting in your car and a guy has a medical emergency. He's drunk or he's texting and he hits you at the wrong speed, meaning uh, like a right. severe speed. What's going to save you isn't your driving skill. What's not going to save you is your situational awareness. What might help, and these are the contrarians, if you're driving a fucking Prius instead of a mm-hmm. of a, a Hummer or, a, you know, <laughs> a, like a Raptor or something. So people go, well, that's why I drive a big car. Forget that. Don't ruin my metaphor. Right? <laughs> it's what's going to save you is the fucking airbag air deploying. Yep. And it's such a, uh, it's such a really, it's such an elegant metaphor where it's you're saying. And I make this joke. I go, I got, you know, Hoist Gracie, you know, in a car here, and I got Mike Tyson in his car here, and St. Pierre's here, and Boss Rudin's here, and Tony Blower, the founder of the Spear Systems, in this car, and we're out in the country. We're going to do like like a fucking drag race and we're off in some deserted highway and we're all there like this and we've got you know you're there in a in a skirt you're gonna be the the girl (laughs) doing this right and you're going you're ready driver's ready and you're gonna do this and just as we're getting ready to go and it's all the best martial arts in the world and they all think they're i'm gonna fuck you our windows are down fuck you're going down this is reaction time and the car's our body our nav system, our mind, yeah, what would you do in this? In this situation, I would do this. Look how fast I think and answer that. Look at the demo. And we're all there like this. And then all of a sudden, we're at the race about to start. And a freaking one of those giant trucks, 18-wheeler, comes over a hill. We're at the bottom of the hill. And he's honking his horn that his brakes are out. And he's fucking doing this. And he's coming down, barreling in the highway. And we all realize we're about to get hit. All at the same time, because we're in this intersection mm-hmm. illegally racing, and we're like this. We're like, fuck, a stimulus gets introduced too quickly, and we're all about to get hit in an accident. What does every one of us do? You're gonna flinch. Fuck. Right? The taekwondo guy, he doesn't go and sidekick, right? The jujitsu guy doesn't pull guard. The MMA guy doesn't shoot a double. We all go, motherfucker. That's a solid that's a solid picture. Yeah, you're right. We need to weather the ambush. And then we can take care of business with the art that we love, provided, and I'm a
0: moral, ethical uh, person, force parallels danger. Mm. That is a really great place to actually wrap this up. With the exception of, I've seen you doing quite a bit of stuff lately. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you're still traveling. You're still doing this. You're still going all over the country uh, to 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 put yourself in front of people and give them the, these experiences and also these lessons and this education. And I think that's really what it's turned into more is it's an educational experience for, for people. I think maybe when people reach out for these things, a lot of times they like, they want, they, they say they want training, but what they're really looking for, what they're actually buying is more of an experience. Um, And that's all part of, I think, martial arts training is you have to experience what it feels like to be hit and be kicked and be, you know, be choked and grabbed and pulled and pushed and all those kind of things. But maybe you could just talk real real briefly about like, what is it you're doing out there? How do people like, how do they get in front of you if they want to know more about the spear system, uh, you know, and the no fear seminars. And I've seen you working with different people out there. It looks like there's some exciting projects. I know you're about to release like a, a new version Um, of some things. Can you talk about some of that stuff? Sure. So we just released actually uh, my birthday yesterday. I don't know when this is coming up, but uh,
1: um, a program called the Human Weapon System and it's uh, literally the latest and greatest. One of the things that uh, you talked about in the beginning was you know, the pivot and teaching online mm-hmm. really refined. And I'd been, I'd been using Skype and WebEx before Zoom. Sure. So I was very comfortable with it. And, then, you know, I've been teaching for decades. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm nervous to teach online or I don't know how to get people to do stuff. But it took it to such a level. If you told me, I did with a team in Europe, I'm not going to mention the group, but they were a parliamentary protective service detail in a country. And they called me up in the middle of the pandemic. They said, we, go, we want to continue training. We'll do some training. Can you send my, we have three guys that uh, work that are um, in the UK. Okay. And they said, hey, can you send Neil over? And I said, yeah, sure. But you know, there's a pandemic, right? And it, it's like in your country, what's the, you know, how long do you have to stay in your room before oh, right, you go right. out? The quarantine I, and all Yeah, that. the quarantine. And then when he goes back to the UK, it's 10 days. And I was like, like, can you afford three weeks of training? Because I got to pay him when he's sitting on his ass. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. How do you guys forget about the pandemic? Like, we just wanted to keep training. And they'd already done our spear uh, uh, instructor course. Yep. So they wanted some more advanced training. And what I I told them, I said, listen, and they'd been trying to get me there for a long time. And I said, I, how would I teach you on Zoom? And they're like, yeah, we want a force-on-force course. And they had my. They already had like ten high gear suits. Uh, they had done the training. I said, "I'll I'll do it on Zoom." And they're like, "How are you going to do force on force on Zoom?" I said to them, "Don't pay me if this course doesn't blow your mind." Okay. And I did a five day course, man, where like I had like my weapon on me because they had like a giant screen TV at okay. me there, and I was on on uh, speaker view, so it was just me. But I had them doing like movement patterns and they had their principle of moving and i'd be there talking Excuse me, Excuse me. and then it was like gun would come out and you'd see guys moving people and shooting at the tv yeah. it was insane but there's so much you know how do we put that together how do you reverse engineer an actual footage you've got it so we did the course they were blown away by it all of that to say the the um everything we did resulted in, it was, was a year in development, this new human weapon program, which is my most refined ex- explanation okay. of you as a human weapon, how to optimize movement, how to manage fear, all our drills, tactical fitness, all sorts of stuff, crazy stuff. Uh, so we just launched that this week. Anyone can get that. That's great. Um, and we're doing an amazing thing. Where we tell people, look, if you're a trainer and you're like sniffing, I want a sample, I want to sniff, I don't want to commit. Trainers are weird like that. Yep by the program if you decide to train with us we will credit you whatever you pay for the program towards the instructor course so it's like free wow with a discount it's a great deal because yeah uh, you put your money worry about this yeah it's like it's like you're not going to find anything else like this i 100% guarantee it'll make you safer it'll make your students safer uh, but if you mm-hmm. just go to you know uh, blowertrainingsystems.com uh, we've got an ebook all on fear management called making friends with fear we'll get you the link share the link That'll put you in our funnel. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna pretend that'll be in the funnel. It's gonna say buy the no fear program. Of course. You know, uh, you, you should do it. Check like like fear is a noxious um energy in all our lives. Mm-hmm. Not just, not just I'm worried about a gunfight. You know, it's it's if you if you can manage fear, this is a heavy thing. When you're in the fear loop, you're consuming time. You're in the fear loop, I'm biting my nails, I'm worrying about shit. I'm consuming time. Time is the only resource you can't regenerate. If you learn to manage fear, you better
0: manage time. You're reclaiming time. I think everybody can relate to that who's lived through the last three years 100%. as an adult yeah. uh, and going through how you opened up today with regard to the pandemic, which is how this particular journey here got started for me and going through a very similar process as a gym owner and business owner yeah. and dad and partner and you know all those things in, in life. And... And not managing it very well at the beginning, but then learning mm-hmm. very quickly uh, that I could mm-hmm. and how to, and, a, and unfortunately, so many people still haven't figured that part out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with something you know as scary and as big and as global as as that was for a lot of people, uh, for the reasons it was, it was scary. Um, that said, I, th- again, almost a gift at, at some level that. It allowed you or put you in a place to be able to now deliver this stuff in a different way so that you, you can deliver it irrespective of where you may be geographically right. in the world, right. which was much different than how it started. And, and this so is, you know, comes back to one of the first things you asked me
1: is like, a lot of the stuff we built, I said to the team right after, we should have
0: had this in place yeah, before. Yeah, we were all saying like, the same why, thing. Why weren't we doing this why, before? Why is this just, why did we get forced to do that now? Why are we trying to do it in three weeks when we've had three years you know to do this, but such yeah, so you know it lessons is what Lessons yeah. lessons learned, um, man. I so th- this came up at the beginning. You mentioned it a couple times. It, if I think what what needs to be acknowledged here is that you said it was your birthday, and uh, yeah. so happy fucking birthday, man! Well, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, I, Appreciate that. You said it when before we started. And I was like, that's outstanding. I know you you you've uh you you also said to me because I really respect and understand how busy you are and you've dedicated your life to this, which means in doing so you've signed on for a, a huge commitment to a lot of people depend on you. A lot of people count on you. And, um, you know, that you would, you would had this birthday yesterday and you were kind of just taking a down day today, right. which I'm sure you don't get very many of. I do. Uh, so it means a lot that you take time out to talk to, talk to me today. And no, this share, is great. And you're, share. you're a, uh, you're, you're a very engaging
1: interviewer. Right. So thanks, man. a lot of places, uh, uh, a lot of people, this isn't to put down other people, a lot of our, it's, it's become so formulaic, mm-hmm. you know, where did you start? How did you do this? What are you selling? And uh, mm-hmm. so this was, this was very refreshing just well, to have a conversation.
0: I appreciate that. And, and I hope that people get, you know, take that away from here too. And that, you know, this really is going back to the not having a formula for everything, mm-hmm. just wanting to really understand you know the people and ha- and helping other people to understand those people is really what the mission is. And so, thanks for acknowledging that, man. I yeah, appreciate no, it. it. It was good. It was yeah. great. It's not nothing scripted around here. No. So I can't wait to get this out. I don't know when we will, but in the in the in the meantime, man, uh, best of luck to you with the new the new launch, which has got to be super exciting. But also, I'm sure while we've been sitting here, the email inbox I'm sure is is, yeah, uh, is stacked not, up and all I'm those actually,
1: things. I'm actually, I'm not you know, and and it's funny because I I make the joke with with my team all the time i tell them like i'm always seeing them. you guys said you guys can't keep up with me and uh and uh you know sometimes i'll go guys just so you know i'm slowing down i'm only gonna work seven days a week <laughs> instead of eight <laughs> instead of eight and a half yeah. you know and, and so sort of everyone laughs but you know i i've gone away and i go guys I'm not going to have my phone on for a couple of days. I'm going away. And like, literally I've had people that work for me, like laugh out loud. <laughs> <Right>. like, like, <laughs> and I go, no, I'm serious. Like, like, you know, and, uh, so it's, it's interesting. I've created that where like yesterday I literally had, uh, two meetings, a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, uh, something else. And the, you know, I'm just looking on the weekend. It's like on my birthday, I got all that. and have been going, still rebuilding from, from three years ago still. And I was like, you know, all of this can fucking wait. I'm going to just take the day. And, uh, I, I told my assistant, I said, you know, you know, clear everything. And, and then today I, I taught this morning, but I was still in that kind of like, that was nice to do. And all of, all of us need, Mm. as the expression they use, the detox,
0: so just turn shit off and go for a walk in nature freaking get in the ocean or i couldn't agree with you more i'm so glad you said that too because there's a lot of coaches aspiring coaches people that are you know sort of new in the in the path to become a better coach Mm -hmm. you know they're maybe still in the um in the technician world you know and they're trying to be a teacher right now that was really powerful by the way the technician teacher coach yeah yeah, technician (laughs) trainer coach train yeah it, they're 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 trying to move up the, the and they're doing trying to do it so fast yeah. and, and let me there's just something again, sorry for interrupting
1: i do and this is crazy something else i started i do i don't like the term mentoring and and masterminds and all that's all that stuff but it, it is what it is uh i do business coaching we have a group mm-hmm. i do business coaching anyone can be in it but it's it's martial artists from all over the world okay and we get together like once a month, there's 12 lessons that I recorded on. Cause I've been very irreverent in how I've created my success. And, and, uh, I've made millions. I've lost millions. I've made millions. I've taught all over the world, to all the different organizations. We're still relevant now. Mm-hmm. We're still, uh, doing, doing stuff. We're not, you know, resting on laurels, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of people out there, like if, if you're a young coach or young in business, there's a term, you ever heard the term time collapse, mm-hmm. right? It's just that idea of, of. and I do this all the time. Like, like I've done crazy experiments in the name of understanding self-defense that have created serious injuries and chronic pain in my body. And it just this morning in the class, I was telling people we're doing something. And I said, guys, we're going to warm up to do this particular move. Because if you do it cold, like I'll do things like cold because I want to see how my body will explode or move or what my range of motion is cold. I've done weird things where, you know, I'll lie across... Uh, like the, the hood of my car on my back is if someone's the top of me with a role player and then just rip an elbow, grab a head, do something and then, you know, fucking get out of that and then the, like for two days, I'm like, oh, my back, <laughs> right? But I wanted to go, because you're not going to do jumping jacks before a fight, No. right? It just happens. So I want, like, I want to be able to look at you and go, this is what your body will do, you'll be fine and you'll get an ice pack or some Motrin or get a massage after, but you're not going to get to warm up. A lot of people, again, they they create that, the D3, I warm up and then I practice the move and it didn't occur to me that I was scared shitless. I had run, I'd already jumped the fence, mm-hmm. a dog already bit me and now I'm fighting a guy who's trying to kill me and, and it's just not going to be the same as when I was grappling in class or striking in class. Anyways, uh, so you mentioned a couple of times that there's a lot of trainers out there. Yep. So we have that program. You might be in cabadas or concealed carry or uh, the firearms community. We have a lot of people who go through, they bring our spear in because, you know, I always make the joke, unless your gun is duct taped to your hand in a gunfight, if we're sitting here talking and rounds come through my garage door... You know, we're, we're not going, what the fuck? Like, look around. <laughs> shit, karate kids dance. We're like, holy shit. Right. So you're not going to return fire unless your gun is here. And, you know, so you still got to clear yourself from the line of fire. You still got to scramble to where you were. You're thinking about uh, cover and where's the threat. And, and, then, get and, where, the and then get your gun out. Mm-hmm. So there's progressions or like you used, like to use the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a lot of people don't recognize is that, surprise attack when that airbag deploys, you know, we just, we just think that we'll see it go oh, oh, red lights. Okay. I'll slow down and turn. It's just going to happen. Sometimes yeah. the most dangerous ones
0: just happen. And what are you going to do then? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a metaphor actually for coaching and, and the career path, right. And having to you go through all the different things in order to really understand what you just said, quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, and, and respect it. So, Uh, I know people will take a ton of value away from this um, at a lot of different levels. And uh, it's, I think it's, we need, it's really good to see coaches that have hung in there and made a life out of coaching to show the new coaches that Mm. this can be done. Because I don't know if you heard this in your life and I certainly, I definitely heard it in mine. Like, so when are you going to get a real job, man? Mm. You know? And I think that, that, that limits people's um, drive or their, their, I guess there's their success in some level because they just, you know, they think like, this isn't, this isn't real. Nobody's really doing this. Or this guy, look, all these, these people, they, they did it for three years, but they couldn't make it work. It can be done. There are things that you can do. There are people out that are all, are doing it. And like you said, like you've actually put together programs or systems to help people build their coaching business. And, you know, in a, in a, in the genres that we sort of play in on the podcast, we already talked about this, the ego Mm -hmm. and a lot of, there's a lot of macho in it and reaching out for help outside of like, well, who's going to teach me how to shoot faster or who's going to teach me this, this new thing. They're not thinking that they're not thinking the business skill that goes into this so that they can take their passion and their, their drive for doing stuff and make it actually into something. Art in art on my business page, I tell people the the
1: art and science of teaching self-defense is not the same as the art and science of running a self-defense business.
0: Not even close. Yeah. I mean, do they overlap? Yeah. But I, it's the same with the gym business, personal mm-hmm. training, and it's going to be the same with firearms instruction or anything else. So, man, thanks thanks for bringing that to the table yeah. at the end. That's a really great place to end on. I can't, like I said, can't thank you enough. It's been a little surreal honor to be here in the garage and the, and seeing the stuff that I've seen over the years, you know, on the, on the videos and everything else This is where the magic happens. This is obviously at, where at, the magic at, happens
1: at, at my age with my wife, like the magic doesn't happen in the bedroom anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, it's now <laughs>
0: it's been magical. Thanks for yeah, it, I appreciate thank you. It. Thank you, man. Thank you. Be safe. Thank you for tuning into this episode of iron sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.